Hello and welcome to the MinMax Show, a place about games, friends, and getting better. I'm Ben Hansen, joined by Kyle Hilliard. Hello. Leo Vader. Thank you very much. And a very special guest, Matt Helgeson. Welcome back to the show, man. Hey, everybody. Good to be back. So nice to have you. The host of MinTracks, our music podcast. Or oh. are you Matt Helgeson? Oh, no. We got big news. Big news. Take it away. MinTracks has actually been retitled. And the podcast going forward is going to be called Crossfade, doing album reviews. Um, I, if you're a, a Patreon supporter in the Discord, I you know went into a lot of the reasoning behind it. But basically, no one understood what MinMax meant. MinTracks? MinMax makes sorry. total well, sense with two Well, that's the thing. Is MinMax is actually a term, though, right? In video. Yeah, yeah. Whereas like MinTracks was a pun off that, which made sense <laughs> if you already followed MinMax. But then I would have to explain. And then people would think it was T-R-A-C-K-S. And then I would have to explain it was with an X. And it just seemed like a lot of things fighting against it in terms of just people understanding like it's a music podcast. So right. And crossfade, yeah. you know, DJ like crossfading between two records. We always do two records, so it seems cool. Yeah. But uh yeah. It's an upgrade. This, yeah, I think it's gonna be great. And we have a great guest, Emily Reese, uh from Level, a podcast about video game music and formerly of uh was that top score? No. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She was on the MinMax show last year talking about the greatest soundtracks of the year and stuff. So, you know, we're thinking about potential guests. And I was talking to producer Jason Daphnis uh, from Crossfade about guests you could have on the show. And it's like, oh, of course, Emily. I don't know how I haven't thought about putting the music expert on MinMax's music podcast, Crossfade. Yeah, she's great. I was listening to her podcast level. Um, and it's really cool. They have they did cool stuff. She was uh, reviewing the new EP that was in advance of the new Assassin's Creed Valhalla game uh, talking about Jesper Kid, which I, I guess I've been mispronouncing all this time as Jesper Kid. It's Jesper Kid. Of course. Um, yeah. And then I'll, she, she also did this interview with a jazz musician who has like a big band that does like kind of, you know, Duke Ellington, Count Basie versions of uh, video game soundtrack music. So, so it's, she's really interesting. Yeah. Oh, great. Well, uh, how's Crossfade going for you? The music podcast. Crossfade's going great. We got a, We got an excellent lineup of albums. It's uh, my pick was Kate Bush Hounds of Love. Yeah. Her pick was Utopia, the last album by Bjork. So we have two very uh, iconoclastic female performers, uh, true originals, you know, going head to head. So it should be fun. Yeah, that sounds great. Uh, if you do not know the music podcast Crossfade, you can find it in a separate uh, podcast feed. Uh, used to be called Tracks. I think the artwork should have flushed through and stuff, but check it out. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think of my favorite episodes. I like the one Alex Navarro from Giant Bomb was on talking about Deftones. Uh, that was good. I think Public Enemy on that one as well. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then uh, probably my favorite episode is you had Jeff Green on if you're an old one up fan uh, or GFW fan or CGW fan, I guess. Uh, Jeff Green was on there talking all about craft work. It was a big craft work special. It's like the origins of electronic music. But that was just like it was humbling yeah. how much you guys knew about craft work. Yeah, Jeff was awesome. He was super passionate about craft work, and and it was it was really awesome because Jeff, you know, I think when he was maybe in his tweens or something, you know, heard craft work for the first time. So it was really cool to have somebody's perspective of like we've all kind of grown up with synthesizers and electronic music and drum machines being like a common thing, but it was kind of cool to have his perspective on how alien and um, new that felt at the time. And he was he was an awesome guest. Yeah, uh, I do have to. Um Scold you though, Helgeson. Scold? Uh, that's a dumb word. Uh, complain because your episode where you talked about Lydia Loveless, you just, and Matthew Cotto was on, former Game Informer co-worker, was on that episode, and you played just a clip of this song on there, Clumps. I was like, that song sounds really powerful and great. I'm going to check it out. I cannot stop listening to it. 
And every time I listen to Clums from Lydia Lovelace, I just get more and more depressed. It's just like this powerful, twisted breakup song, which my relationship's going really well, but I feel (laughs) depressed and like I am in the middle of a breakup because I've listened to Clums so many times in the past couple months now. Yeah, no, she's a she's a great songwriter. I mean, a great, really powerful singer, really great songwriter. Um, I, mean, I still think she's like only like twenty eight years old, and she's had like four albums or five albums out. So no, that 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 song is a, in particular is a highlight of that album. One of the reasons I kind of fell in love with it. Yeah, it's, it is depressing. It is depressing. It's super depressing. But we have you on this episode of the Minmax Show to talk about your one true love above Lydia Loveless, above Pink Floyd, above any of the bands you've covered on that show, above even Steely above Dan. Pink Floyd. Whoa, oh. I don't know if it's above Steely Dan. <laughs> okay, just below <laughs> Steely Dan, Sorry. Tony Hawk and Tony the Hawk's Pro Skater, because is... you played those games back in the day when you were at Game yeah, Informer, yeah. and so we're going to talk about the remake, and then we'll talk about... Which, uh, by the way, he was on Masked Singer recently. Not a good singer. <laughs> Do you remember oh, what he's saying? I've never seen that show. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. What did he sing? Was it just Goldfinger? I don't... No, he didn't. That would have been too easy. That would have been the, awesome. The panel would have guessed him. He was dressed as like a techno elephant, but I don't remember what he sang. It was... I will say it was one of the few occasions where I saw Tony Hawk on like television and he wasn't holding a skateboard to remind everyone that he's Tony Hawk. And constantly <laughs> pointing at it like a weirdo. Eh, yes, yeah. one over here. Uh, but it was that thing where he did that glass of milk thing the other day. Yeah, that was where he was on he was doing ramp a ramp trick and like not spilling a glass of milk. What? Oh I yeah, it's exactly crazy because I think the centrifugal force of his, you know, the rotation keeps the milk in the glass. Yeah, like if you think about the science, you're like, well, that's actually not that impressive. But like, no, I'm not going to think about the science. What I want is not impressive until you try to do it. (laughs) Oh yeah, no, I I did, and uh, that's why I'm sitting down. I I I can't uh, stand. Nailed the McTwist, but dropped the glass of milk all over the place. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I think the skate video I want to see is him practicing that and just spilling it, just Tony Hawk over and over again with that milk, just with a killer soundtrack underneath it, just Mm -hmm. crying over and over, over spilled milk. But also, too, I, I looked it up. I mean, he's 52 years old. <laughs> like, it's his athletic ability is un. I mean, this is unbelievable. Yeah. That, you know, yeah. like, in, in, and even in the intro video to the new Tony Hawk 1 and 2, I mean, there's, there's footage of him that's recent footage. I mean, his ability is just, it's unbelievable. Yeah. And even somebody like Rodney Mullen, still just scrappy and scrawny, but I think he's had a couple more big injuries along the way, but he seems to still be able to skate and still be a powerhouse out there. Do you want the Rodney Mullen origin story? Yeah, hang on. Can I just pause you for one second? <laughs> I know. I was about to say, we totally sidetracked you. <laughs> That's fine. People <laughs> get, get it from the description. They can look up what we're talking about in the time. It's got, it's got a video game tie-in. Okay, give me two seconds. Ooh. Also on this episode, we're talking about uh, the big revealing of the Xbox Series S and the X uh, release date, prices, all that fun stuff. And then Ana Diaz is going to be joining us later to talk about uh, some Mario news, Hyrule Warriors, and then Crusader Kings 3. And then we're going to answer some fun community questions uh, with Suriel joining us as well. So it's a packed show. Okay, Rodney Mullen, hit us, Helgson. Okay, long, long time ago, my Naughty Dog. I'm talking to Jason Rubin, who founded Naughty Dog with Andy Gavin. Rubin grew up um, like next door, a few doors down from Rodney Mullen. And basically what what happened was, no, here's the story. So Rodney, you know, didn't know him super well. They just kind of moved to the neighborhood. Rodney had put up a skate ramp in his dad's. You know, they had the kind of classic bungalow with like the, you know, in the, the driveway in front of the house, right? Rodney is just like, obsessed with skating so he's like you know room 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 just skateboarding all night and he's going really late he's going to like you know after 10 11 midnight so finally like they can't sleep you know so reuben's dad goes over and just kind of 
tries to talk to Rodney's dad and say, you know, hey, man, like, it's just if could he maybe wrap it up by nine o'clock at night or something like that. And apparently Rodney's dad was uh, not a super agreeable guy. So he said you know, he got pretty harsh with Ruben's dad and like said some not nice things about him, um, which I won't detail. But anyway, uh, Rodney was a really nice kid. He was, I think he's a little younger than maybe a couple years younger than Ruben. Um, anyway, so he the next day, Rodney on his own rings their doorbell. And it was like, hey, I'm really sorry about my dad to you know, Mr. Rubin and everything. And I really apologize. And I'm going to really keep it down. So anyway, Rodney felt so bad that he took down the skate ramp. And hence, he's Went not doing street. ramp tricks anymore. And he, you know, goes down the <laughs> path of being like the ultimate, like, flatland skater, you know? Hang on. So you're saying that the co-founder of Naughty Dog is the reason we have Rodney Mullen as Rodney Mullen? Well, I mean, you know, Ruben, I think it ran into him later on. Yeah. You know, it, it, once Tony Hawk was big and they were kind of in the larger Sony kind of thing. And right. Yeah. Rodney and him, I think it caught up at some point. Rodney's like, yeah, man, because, you know, once I didn't have the ramp, then I just became like so focused on on Flatland and grind stuff. That's wow. so that bizarre. Wild. That is a story. I became the best in the world, basically. Yeah. <laughs> like that. And that Tony Hawk 3 video, Hanson, I think we've had hour long discussions about it, about how incredible that like just him doing not having a ramp is like it's incredible just impossible yeah. you know and the most incredible part is that he chose uh, the afi song from tony hawk 3 so really he's doing everything <laughs> right he's, he's really nailing it all uh that's Helgeson. an amazing story Halgerson. that's awesome yeah. I, that's i had no idea no other yeah, guest really would have one. that super specific story this is why we have you here because you're uh you're an old timer if i may say that with all the affection i, I can muster here i am an old timer. but i mean you were at game informer during the genesis and peak of tony hawk you want to take us back to like just that series infiltrating the the office back then yeah so i kind of looked at the dates and i'm pretty sure that i was probably an intern at that time oh wow and i was kind of coming in like i had my college classes in the morning generally so then i would kind of come in one two three depending on the day and kind of you know those guys worked late at at those at at that time so anyway yeah i remember it came in and it was you know i think I mean, Reiner started playing it and, you know, it's, it's weird in, in retrospect, you know, things seem important, but at the time, you know, the track record of skate video games was not fantastic. Right. right. I mean, there, there definitely been, you know, like skate or die and, you know, TC surf and, you know, there's, there'd been things, but they hadn't been awesome. So it wasn't like we were all sitting around and saying, Oh my God, when, when's that build of Tony Hawk coming? When, you know, it's sort of just like, Reiner's like, Oh yeah, they're doing a skate game. It'd be interesting. And then, Gradually, as he kept playing it, Reiner, you know how Reiner gets just like, whoa, whoa, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think definitely, I remember we all kind of gravitating over to watching him. I'm assuming he probably got into the, like, I wonder if it was like a three-level thing or something, like an early build. And he was probably in the school, because I remember him being in a pool and just doing, you know, like all these tricks. And all of a sudden, the whole office is just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know what I mean? And it kind of became like everyone gravitated to like Reiner's desk at that time. And then, but... It's one of those games where it was pretty. I just remember certain games seeing them in early builds, and you just kind of know. You know, I remember seeing like when Assassin's Creed they brought the first Assassin's Creed by, or I don't know, Ben. You were were you there when they brought by Arkham Asylum? No, no, that was before my time. I think a couple years yeah. before my time. But you know, that was another one where Batman had a terrible track record, right? Right. And we were really excited about it, and then they had the demo for like, oh my God. That they did Batman, and it was the same with skateboarding, you know. But yeah, I watched um, I watched that documentary about the history of the Tony Hawk series, uh, produced by Ralph Diamato from NeverSoft, who was on the last episode of 
Crossfade. You can find that. The producer of... We never stop talking about just the how they licensed the soundtracks for Tony Hawk. It was a very fun episode overall. But um, in the documentary, Tony Hawk talked about how like um, Rockstar was making a skateboarding game, but it was like, ah, it was too technical, not really for me. I had no idea that that Thrasher game even released. It just was completely off my radar. But I'm trying to think of like, that was around it, that same era, right? No, literally, they came out the same week. Oh, wow. Or within, wow. within one week of each other. Yeah, I totally, I had, a, I had a conversation with Sam Hauser about that one time and they were super excited. They had Thrasher and, you know, that was like the ultimate kind of skate brand and lifestyle mag and everything and it was actually not it was kind of a cool game really what thrasher was trying to do i think probably before the tech could really do it it was much more trying to be like what ea did with skate yeah so you know your your skating was much more limited to like what a realistic skater could do in that environment you know what i mean and it definitely i think it was i remember it being a little frustrating and i think like to what tony hawk got right is that people didn't really want skateboarding they wanted sort of like this exaggerated, like almost like platformer version of skateboarding. Yeah. In that documentary, they talk about things that are probably obvious, but he mentions that, you know, Oh, you know, it was a big debate on the team and we decided not to have you get hurt when you fell, which now in retrospect, it's like, yeah, of course, but I can't imagine having like a health bar in Tony Hawk and every time you wiped (laughs) out. But like, I think in that era that totally should have been the design that, and they just were forward thinking enough to think like, no one wants to be penalized. They just want to have fun and combo this stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of amazing because I remember it, you know, when Ryder brought it in, you know, pre like alpha build or something. And it was, I mean, it was there. Like the gameplay was there. Yeah, that's wild. Uh, But we've all been playing uh, the remake, Kyle. I think you've really fallen in love with it. Leo, how much have you been playing? Uh, I've about 75% done with the parks that are in there. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, Kyle, what do you think of it? I... I've had this weird experience with it where like I've, I've been enjoying it way more than I expected to. Um, like I love Tony Hawk. Like I, I played a lot of Tony Hawk. I think after thug two, I really fell off, which I think is like the finish line for a lot of people, you know? Yeah. Uh, not Leo, but like for most people, I think after thug two, they're like, all right, I think I'm good. But I didn't, I actually actively avoided playing the warehouse demo because I was worried that like, well, if I just play the demo, I'll get my nostalgia fix and I won't want to play anymore. Right. You know? And so, like, I waited until I had the full game, and I played, like, the, I got to the first three levels in, you know, in one night. And I and I kind of went to bed, and I was like, well, that was fun, I, but I don't know if I really want to play anymore. And then I woke up the next day, and I was like, oh, no, I absolutely want to play more. And, like, that's been, I, like, Marvel's Avengers has been, like, totally dropped to play Tony Hawk. It feels like, it really feels like a new, solid Tony Hawk entry more than a remake to me but it might be because my memories of the first game are so foggy and I didn't play a ton of two Mm. like I'm mostly a Tony Hawk three and four guy Um, so I've been having an awesome time with it I've been I've been enjoying the hell out of it yeah you talk about you know not wanting to overdose nostalgias from the warehouse but it turns out you're not nostalgic over the warehouse as much as you're nostalgic over like just the controls and trying to hit those high scores trying to achieve all those things you're nostalgic over falling and screaming to the rafters after this long combo you know it's that frustration and the trial of trying to hit all those different targets there and then like you know like setting up your special uh, moves and stuff like that like that was a whole process of like oh yeah i forgot that's how that worked okay oh now i can pull off the 900 this is awesome yeah god yeah i had a weird thing too where i played the hell out of tony hawk one and then just like played the other ones at friends houses so playing this remake now it's been a weird learning curve of 
okay, even manuals I have to understand. Like, I'm at the bare bones. I feel like I played the alpha version of Tony Hawk, right? Where it's like, okay, manuals. And just, this is so stupid. It wasn't until last night where I'm like, okay, reverts are mandatory. I should just be hitting that every time I'm coming down a ramp. I And this is basic stuff from the last 20 years, but just diving so deep into that first one, it feels like, you know, there's a bit of a game of catch up before I'm back up to speed because in this one they added a lot of stuff from two, three, and four, you know, obviously into one and two going in here trying to take the best of it. But Leo is like a, a big fan of the later entries. What do you think of this thing? Uh, I think it's wonderful. It's like it really does have the skating of four in Tony Hawk one and two, like the flatland tricks and obviously the reverting and manualing. It's such uh, the skating in it is so strong that it almost feels like a shame. It's only the levels of one and two. Like I would love to see them add more because it's pretty fast to get through those. A lot of the replayability of two in my memory was beating it over and over again with every character. But now the progression is kind of a little persistent across characters. So there's less time to do that. Yeah. Oh, do you think like the multiplayer will be appealing for you at all? Maybe. Yeah. I haven't tried that yet, but that could be the solution. Yeah. Uh, yeah Helgson, I- what do you think of this thing? It's it's been interesting because like I mean I'm not one to to like go back to old games or replay stuff that much. So I haven't played Tony Hawk and you probably Kyle. You know I think that Thug Two ish area was where I think I probably started flagging because it was just like they were pumping them out every year, every year. Um, It's kind of weird. The muscle memory is a weird thing. You Mm -hmm. know I mean I definitely my skills are horrible compared to where they were, but it was kind of amazing like even how much I did remember because it's probably been over fifteen years. since I did it, uh, or maybe not that long, but you know, a long time. Uh, I think one thing that's cool and Leo, you kind of alluded to it is that this is a great quote. I I unfortunately don't remember who told me this, but it was a developer that was working on a remake or a remaster game. And he said, the thing about these projects is you're not trying to remake the game. You're trying to remake people's memory of the game. Right. So it's like, everything that they remember that's good and all the things that have sort of faded out. Like I'm sure if I played the, the original PlayStation version of Tony Hawk one, it would be like so janky, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. But we just streamed so Tony Hawk two. Like, that refined where they probably got to like, you know, at, at four, the thug series in terms of gameplay. But you know, I've forgotten all the annoying things about one, right? I forgot how bad the textures look. So I feel like I'm just, this is what it looked like back then. Of course it didn't look like that at all, but I think it's kind of an interesting thing with memory and, and that sort of thing. Uh, and then, you know, just, it's, it's just so fun. I mean, it, you know, and it, it's such a simple thing to say, but it's so incredibly hard to make gameplay that's as complicated as Tony Hawk is when you think about just how many inputs there are and how many combos there are and, and make it still be fairly accessible. Um, and with just such a great, like, ramp up and, and growth curve in terms of the skill set, it, it, I mean, it's just, it's really is a masterpiece of, like, you know, level design and, and gameplay design. Yeah, and it seems like Activision just become the masters of remakes now. I mean, I think people were naturally skeptical about this one because it wasn't that long ago, six years ago, seven years ago, where they had the remake of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater HD and they trotted Tony Hawk out for all the same lines of like, this time we're getting back to basics. And then a couple years later, Tony Hawk 5, this time we're getting back to basics. But Activision's track record has just been absurd now with Crash and Spyro and now Tony Hawk where it's like, pfft near perfect remakes from the fans perspective of all these games. It's just amazing that these teams are up to that level and they're nailing it. 
Isn't that mobile game? Didn't they even trot him out for that? Yeah. He like, this is real Tony Hawk here on your phone? <laughs> yeah, which is crazy. Yeah, we, at, at GI, we almost got an interview with him as a result of that that mobile game. <laughs> yeah. Because that was... What was it? It's like the one that's not published by Activision, which is strange that there's one Tony Hawk game that's an outlier. I forget the name of the small publisher that released that mobile game, but it's fun that there's just one now as a freak yeah. entry. <laughs> Do you know what freak, Beanox's freak. role on this is oh i'm sorry helgson oh no i was just thinking about game informant for years we had this like weird tony hawk peripheral skateboard with no wheels <laughs> yeah of course yeah yeah for? ride right. tony hawk ride tony hawk ride yes okay i was trying to think yeah. of that yeah, yeah. and that because we had a lot of us had standing desks so we would just stand on the ride boards and we just destroyed yeah. them over time they were just like <laughs> heaps of plastic they were used they were heavily used but never to actually play that game yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> no batteries inside of them. They were yeah. like balance. They were like balance boards for Game Informer. Yeah, you couldn't have yeah. a conversation unless you're waddling around on a Tony Hawk ride board until it just was pieces <laughs> of plastic by the end. It was just yeah, dust on the floor because we used them yeah. so much. I'm sure the game's great. I never had a chance to check it out, but eh. yeah, you know how it goes. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, who are your skaters? Who are you going as, Helgeson? Who'd you choose? Actually, I just I started with Tony, and I'm mm-hmm. just that's what I've been doing just because I kind of I think it defaulted to me, so I just sort of kept it. But I want to do Rodney, I think, because he was always kind of more, he had some cool, different, you know, kind of different style and everything. So I'll probably yeah. do that next. Yeah. I haven't, I'm kind of, uh, what, I haven't, I, I just ended up spending so much time in the warehouse just because it was kind of this weird nostalgia factor. And I think it's kind of interesting, like the warehouse, it's, it's, it's not certainly not an impressive level, especially with where they went in later games, but it's kind of amazing, assuming that that was probably just their test level that they kind of made in developing that game because it, you know, it didn't have a ton of objects. It's very small footprint, but it's so well designed. It, it, I just, it's, it's funny how well that level holds up, even as simple as it is. It's just it's very well designed just for skating. And, and I, I, I had a pretty long learning curve just in terms of like, I mean, my first couple runs were bad you know so i was kind of learning a lot of that and especially been the, the revert thing ben is another one that i kind of, i'm still struggling with that timing where you got to like do like a ramp trick revert manual into like a grind hopefully yeah i have yeah. trouble getting I'm, I'm still having trouble getting that timing i used to have on just like where to hit that revert kind of as you're just yeah. hitting the ramp at the at the bottom so i'm it's, I'm, I'm i'm not that great <laughs> right now yeah sure. like I definitely like it takes like watching other people play for me a little bit to be like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, like the revert, you know, and stuff like that. Like JV Gwaltney posted a great video of him just running around downtown Minneapolis level. Like he's gotten he's gotten his feet under him. He's pretty good at this point. And it was like he was doing all these additional tricks that I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I got to remember to start doing that. But it's funny because like even my friend that I grew up playing Tony Hawk with, he'd like texted me. He's like, all right, I picked it up. I'm playing it. Hey, I'm having a good time, but uh, I am I am bad. And then, like you know, twenty four hours later, he's like, "Okay, I'm good again." <laughs> you know, it's just like I got that text from him, which is which is so funny. Yeah, yeah a specific a- nostalgia tickle that I forgot about that I'm getting from this game is trying to keep the combo going after the round ends as long as possible. Yeah, the overtime. Yeah, now it actually pops up overtime. It's good. I like that feeling a lot. Like getting the six score off of a combo you did after the round was over. Love that. Oh my god, nothing better. I thought you were going to say specific nostalgia tickle was that Minneapolis level and trying to figure out like, okay, where in Minneapolis is this? They have the courthouse, which looks a little bit better now, but remember the original game still being like, this is the Minnesota level? Eh, it doesn't really. Not my favorite. Movie theater, I guess? Yeah. That's us. That? We do movies, right? That's our. <laughs> yeah. That's Minnesota's thing? Oh yeah. Coen Brothers? Well, oh, come on. In those days, there were 
Minnesota kind of went in on movie filming in like the mid to late nineties. There was like grants or something, I think. Yep. Mm. Minnesota like film that. and television board. I was an intern there. Oh really? Yeah. Untamed heart with Christian Slater. I remember that was filmed here. Yeah. Part what was the Keanu Reeves one feeling Minnesota? Oh, I don't think I've seen that. It's a very nineties movie. Hang on, I feel like I need um, to watch that. Keanu Reeves. Did, did movie you guys find Minnesota? weird that like what you didn't remember? Because you know, certain levels like, you know, what warehouse school and then now I I'm just I just started uh, the mall. Yeah. I totally forgot about the mall. Like any of those downhill levels, they were just they're a pain in the ass. They're not fun as like a playground and so they're forgettable. But yeah, definitely that stood out. Or even just like the the um skate park like all right here's the competition you go through these heats like i don't remember this level at all yeah the mall i had I once i got in the mall i remembered i you couldn't have i could have never identified the mall before i, I started re- yeah so i didn't recognize the level at the end of two in this one which is called chopper drop or something and then i found out it's something you get for be- beating the game with every character only on the ps1 version <laughs> wow okay <laughs> so i didn't feel bad for not remembering that but yeah i'm I tried to figure out, I've been enjoying it so much, but a part of me is like, you know, it kind of is how I felt about the Crash remake, where it's like, all right, played one and three, loved it. Do I play through all of two again, or have I had the nostalgia tickle, so therefore it's done? But Kyle, you're saying like it's surpassing even that nostalgia tickle for you? Yeah, I mean, I I beat Tony Hawk one, but I haven't, I never beat Tony Hawk two. So like it is, I've hit a point now where it's beyond nostalgia, and I'm just enjoying the new Tony Hawk skateboarding game, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I'd li- yeah, I'd like to play all the levels, but um, yeah, I mean, the one downside to the game is uh, in the creator skater, you can't uh, put glasses on your character, oh, I'm sorry, so I can't man. make someone that looks like me, so that, like, if I were reviewing it, that would drop it, like, six points. Wow. Right, but... Yeah, I understand. Yeah. It's a very specific request. So, like, yeah. a, a four out of ten for Tony Hawk. Yeah, if, but and if I they put glasses in there, bring it up to a bring yeah. it up to a ten. <laughs> yeah, nice. That's perfect. Yeah, I mean, I think, Leo, you'll probably get your wish, just based on how much buzz there is i mean three does tony hawk pro skater three plus four seems kind of like a no-brainer at this point yeah yeah that's probably all to do it i feel like they could do it as just as dlc packs just based off you know how the skating is so as good as you'd ever want it if you're doing three and four but it's called tony x pro skater one plus two so they can't do it yeah i wonder if they'll go beyond that do you think they'd go beyond three and four? Because I could see that, yeah, a year from now, two years from now, Vicarious Visions just adding on and just making Bankola again. But what would you do for the plus after that? You do like... The thug, I guess. Thug, thug and thaw? Thug, thug plus two, thaw? Yeah. Oh, I forgot. What, yeah, American Wasteland. You do those thaw. three since Project 8 was such a, a turn. It'd have to be thug one plus thug two plus thaw, I would think. Man, I don't know if they'll get to that. But then again, I mean, they remade Crash Team Racing. I mean, they're really, they're hitting all the nostalgic buttons they can here. So I wouldn't put it past them. I didn't know they Crash Team Racing they remade. Oh, I'm, I'm yeah. And it's oh, surprisingly great. Yeah. And that was like a standalone thing for 40 bucks. So I'm sure it'll just be a matter of time until we get three and four. And I think it's going to sell really well. And we had a lot of community questions asking, you know, if this is going to be the new era for skateboarding games. Is everybody rushing on it? It's like... I think people like skateboarding fine. I think they like playing Tony Hawk when they were 12 more. You know, it's like they're yeah. buying it for nostalgia. I don't think that yeah. this is going to be a harbinger of come for, you know, even if EA does manage to get that new skate project out the door, I don't think that thing's going to fly off shelves necessarily. I remember playing the games as a kid and you'd unlock the videos, the skate videos or whatever, and I was a little bit disappointed. I was like, they are not doing stuff as cool as I'm doing in this game. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Except for Rodney Mullen, though. To be fair, 
It's so funny that Rodney Millen is like one of single digit people on the planet who can do that stuff with their board, but then that's just the excuse to give it to everybody. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> gotta do it. Yeah. No, it's, I think you're right, Ben. I think that, you know, it, it's definitely a nostalgia thing. Like, not that it doesn't hold up, not that yeah. it's not a good game, but I, I don't know if you're, I think you're right. I think this would do better than a new original Tony Hawk game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm curious to see, like, you know, the sales of Crash 4. I think that's going to be an interesting case. Oh, by the way, Hogus, I know you've been out of the business for a while. They're making a Crash Bandicoot 4. Really? <laughs> yeah, they're really You're are. reviewing it, bud. Okay, like, I'm, I'm back, man. I'm back. Let's do it. How, uh, who's making it? Um, God, who is it? I'm blanking. Uh, Toys for Bob, right? Yeah, it is, is Toys it for Bob. The other one. Oh, yep, wow. Yep. Toys for Bob, damn. Yeah, which is confusing because they remastered, or sorry, remade Spyro. And then they're making mm-hmm. Crash 4. So all these Activision studios are just in the mix for all this stuff at this point. But You know what else this is culturally a harbinger of? Hmm. Tony Hawk 1 and 2. Uh, millennials pushing 40. Nostalgia. <laughs> it's happening. Seriously, this is the first, like, this is, like, and believe me, like, I'm, you know, I'm Gen X or whatever. But, like, this, this had the first vibe of, like, yep, yep. We're going to start seeing, like, you know, Limp Biscuit nostalgia. Oh no! Woodstock '99 nostalgia. <laughs> I love it. Riding around the crowd on that wooden board. <laughs> yeah, get out, get out your uh, JNCO big jeans. <laughs> I remember Chain at some. Wallets. I remember at some point talking to Jeff Cork uh, in the Game Informer office, and he was flabbergasted once talking about nostalgia. He's like, "What are you talking about? Nobody's nostalgic over the Nintendo 64." I was like. <laughs> oh, I have never seen a more clear divide between generations here. Like, if I had, if there was just a pure image of nostalgia in my mind, it is a Nintendo 64. So you have like, oh yeah, no, I can't imagine. See, I think just being weird, though. I don't, th- and that's just Jeff being weird. Okay, all right. He, <laughs> to, me, I, to me, like, there's nostalgia over like you know Mario and Gold. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm more like Jeff's age. Yeah, you know what right. I mean? That's weird. I don't know. I think Jeff's just being weird. Okay, I'm glad he's just being a weirdo. Um, Helgeson, anything else you'd like to say before we let you go? Um, honestly, just thanks for the code, man. This has just been, it's been really so much fun. It's like, it just seemed like, I think, and I think part of this is just maybe, I don't know, quarantine. We're all just kind of looking for comfort food kind of things. Mm-hmm. But I, I've had so much more fun than this, like with a, the game that I have in a while, you know, it's just like, they did such a good job. So polished. It I'm sure improves on a ton of things of those old games. That I don't remember that were bad and, and, but it captures everything that was good. I think it's just like you couldn't. I don't know if you could really do a remake, remaster better than this. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. it's just been, a, I don't know, just like pure fun. You know, that's what I always think of Tony Hawk. It's just, if you just talk about pure fun video game playing, it's just, to me, it exemplifies that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, uh, check out uh, Crossfader Music Podcast, where we have a guest on yes. every other week, every other Friday, new episodes release, and then they pitch an album to each other. And just a lot of uh, Helgeson, who's a bit of a music expert, learning about new bands. It's fun to hear yeah. you react to some stuff. Like, uh, we forced you to listen to Hamilton, and you uh, grinned and nodded. <laughs> that, was a, that was a fun episode to do, because that oh. was such a babe in the woods. And it, so Real quick, I mean, this might maybe save this larger conversation for an episode of Crossfade, but did you ever get around to actually watching the live Disney Plus version? Yeah, my daughter was really excited to watch it, and so okay. we watched it. And I, I, I came away with... There was a lot I didn't understand based on just the audio. Yeah. Number one, I didn't realize that like part of my confusion is that certain actors were doing multiple roles. Yeah. And so their voices were the same. And then it made me sort of confused about who was saying what, you know? So yeah, it actually, it was much, much, much better to me 
watching it. Oh, interesting. Cool. Just because I feel like the, the George Washington guy is really charismatic. David Diggs plays Jefferson. The King George stuff, so much better. Yeah, than that stuff didn't pop for me at all until then I saw it, the King George on, you know, the show. And I was like, oh, I get it. Okay. Like, that's why that was such a big thing to people. That didn't come across to me just listening to Yeah. Close up of him spitting and all that fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he was, good. no, he's funny. He's a, you know, more physical actor. Um, yeah. Also, yeah. Li- playing Tony Hawk, listening to Bjork has been weird. So, <laughs> prepping been for the new episode of Crossfire. Prepping for, uh, prepping for uh, the podcast later today. So yeah, listening to like weird, dreamy Bjork music is kind of a... <laughs> cool dichotomy, I guess. <laughs> well, that's going to be great. Uh, you can listen to Crossfade while playing Tony Hawk at home if you subscribe in the podcast feed. Uh, all right, Helgeson, um, we clap people out of here, so this is confusing, but you want to say goodbye and then give one clean clap? Yes. Goodbye, everyone. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Take care. Hey, Ana Diaz, welcome to the show. Hi. Honor nice to, to have here. you. We have a lot of fun stuff to go over here. Uh, first of all, should have mentioned this at the top of the show, but if you're here, if you clicked on this podcast demanding Ubisoft news and saying, where are the reactions to all of these things? And Phoenix Downward Rising, or whatever they renamed Gods and Monsters to, uh, you can find that on MinMax's YouTube channel, youtube.com slash show. We'll have a reaction video there, but at the time of this recording, we don't know what Ubisoft went through. But what we do know is that we have reached it. We've reached the end point. The console Cold War is officially half kind of over. Because Microsoft fired. What's that? <laughs> Cold War. The first nuke has been fired. That's right. And gamers have opened their mouths and said gobble, gobble, gobble to that nuke because we got a lot of details to go through. <laughs> uh, because it started with the rumblings and the leaks of the Xbox Series S, which has been rumored for so long. And then it started to be leaked that, hey, it costs this much. It's releasing this day. And then Microsoft just said, you know what? Here we go. Let's just tweet it all out. Here's all the news, all the trailers. Bada, bada, bada. Kyle, what did we learn? That uh, you have to fact check me here. We can start pre-ordering September 22nd. Correct. It's coming out November 10th. Yep. November and 10th. The S, the S is going to be $299 and the Series X is going to be $399. Nope. $499 right? for the Series X. $499. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Still less than I thought because I, I think I had predicted $599. Yeah, we'll have to go back and see where we're all at. I think I was going yeah. way high. Yeah, that is my gut yeah. reaction is for the X and the S is like, this is shockingly mm-hmm. cheap based on the hullabaloo and the tech. Um, Leo, do you have a gut reaction to this stuff? Yeah, I wonder if it'll be cheaper than PS5 because we're talking about, you know, games themselves going up in price next the next generation. It would only make sense for consoles to go up in price, but I wonder if uh, Microsoft can get away with doing more of like a phone-style pricing because the Game Pass is so like interlinked with it yeah with the contract you know the long-term investment yeah i think that's what it is right they can just get away with a slightly lower price like well we'll just eat it here because we want to get that game pass which at the same time Mm -hmm. they revealed there's a lot of news packed into this stuff which felt like it should have been its own video but that's fine it's just a bunch of separate tweets but they also revealed that ea play which is basically ea's Mm -hmm. version of game pass is now being rolled into game pass for no additional cost so this is they say over 60 games so all of ea's games going back into the history even um a lot of their new stuff that's all going to be part of game pass which is a very very good one-two punch of like the series s coming in at 300 dollars, and you also get this amazing stuff packed into game pass which you know then coupled with if you're into this sort of thing they announced a 
couple months ago that, you know, Project X Cloud is also going to be rolled into Game Pass. They are really making that enticing. Uh, it's absurd. Anna, where are you at with all this news? I mean, to be honest, like I was I if I were, you know, Sony PlayStation, I'd be a little nervous right now, um, especially if you're going to offer something that's like I, I kind of I feel like the PS5 is going to easily be at four hundred dollars or over, you know, and so I, yeah, like I given like what's the price of a PlayStation Four right now? I think like, the Pro, Pro is four ninety nine. Oh, is it three ninety nine? Oh, I know. I'll look it up uh, just to double check. But well, yeah, I, I I'm with you on it. I don't think there's any way PS Five is cheaper at this yeah. point. you know. Well, and just the fact that like you could now officially like buy you could buy the hardware and then get access to like that such a high number of games for like what you know let's what is how much is xbox game pass a month it's 25 i want to say it's like 25 to 30 Hang uh, i think maybe like the game pass ultimate yeah. oh with i think online bundled yeah but there's the and by the way uh a ps4 pro with a copy of spider-man is 4.99 yeah yeah, it's like for me it's I I honestly like as far as like titles go, I thought I was going to lean towards PlayStation 5, but now I'm like, oh, this is way more affordable like um and if I were a gamer and I couldn't find if I were a gamer, like switches <laughs> are hard to come by now and you have like a console that's $300 like and it's brand new, like what the heck, why not? Um Yeah, so, and people are used to subscription style cuz of Netflix. They're like, "Oh yeah, Netflix but for games, sure, yeah." buy it <laughs> right so it is confusing so the game pass ultimate is 15 a month but there okay. is that right. all access which is like oh, okay. you know a way to have installment on the new console and that's the 25 a month oh where you can pay off the console or something? i think that's what that is oh oh yeah oh. yes okay that's well i didn't i misunderstood that so that's actually because i thought it was like the new game pass for series x was going to be 25 and that gets you ea pass and everything like that so that's that's okay great right. everything is cheaper than i expected <laughs> what a great day yeah yeah right and so i think that's like the takeaway is that this is cheaper than we expected and that's like the value proposition is like really strong at the end of the day so yeah it's it's that yeah. weird thing and kyle i know you hate um pcs and everything they stand for and you're actually streaming this from a ps3 i believe but <laughs> uh macbook macbook pro oh i see i see but it's just that crazy thing of seeing this and saying wow Hey, good moves on Microsoft. Good moves. Still no universe where I'd buy one of these things with the PC stuff. And the fact that also, you know, EA Play is being bundled in with Game Pass on PC. It's like, well, this is great for PC gamers, but $300 is a great entry point, but I ain't taking that entry. Leo, I I assume you're kind of in the same thing of like, like texting with friends who are interested in going into the next generation. It's like, wow, this is great. But it's like, but there's, there's still aren't any new games. Like there's no yeah. Halo, you know. It's like it's going to be yeah. a great backwards compatible machine, and I'm that's basically my main incentive to own one personally. But like, I, I still would take PS5 given the two in front of me, you know, if I had the choice to make. Even if PS5 is more expensive. Yeah, you know? the messaging is always fascinating. They had uh, <laughs> a big thing and the breakdown of you know all this news, and they call the Xbox Series S and X the world's most compatible console. Like, that's, like, the new messaging. But it's kind of fun with them leaning into that compatibility option, just having in the big reveal video for the Xbox Series S, it's like, I don't know, here's us playing Black 
on the original Xbox. And here's us playing Skate 3. It's like, whatever. Just throw it all at you just to really drive home that idea that you don't need new games, man. They're overrated. <laughs> yeah, I mean, odds are there's a million great games you missed. It's kind of compelling as, you know, a, a player with a ton of games in the backlog perpetually to have Game Pass, have so many of them in there. Yeah. Uh, so I tweeted out a, a poll from the MinMax Twitter account. You could follow it if you want. We'd appreciate it. Um, just asking, hey, what are you going to buy, folks? Hey, folks, what are you going to buy uh, between the Xbox Series S, Xbox Series X, neither, and I have a PC, I'm good. Um, I have a PC, well, let's see, see if you can guess these numbers. Kyle, how many people, what percentage do you think were interested in buying the Series S for 300 Okay, so I think Series X still had the most. That would be my... That's what I would assume. Okay. Um, so I'm going to say like 25 to 30% for Series S. 7%. Oh, even lower. Isn't wow. that shockingly okay. low? And this is, you know, the Mid-Max yeah, crowd, they're crazy. hardcore gamers. They get it. They're 35% for the Series X. Neither was 33%. And I have a PC, I'm good, was about 26%. Compared to so, it, so Series X was the highest. It was right? the highest. Were, yeah, it seems okay. like people are willing to pony up to have the more powerful console. Uh, just for yeah. a point of comparison, you know, I tweeted about when you're going to get a PS5. If you want a PS5, and 45.5 percent said they're getting a PS5 on launch day, or at least trying to. Just for some frame of reference for the min-max audience is at at least. Um, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I like I like when you do those and share them, Hanson. It's fun. I like those polls too, man. I do like Twitter polls. They're really fun. Sometimes I'll just get too many ideas for them and they'll be like back to back. We're like, F it. I just want to get this out now because I can't, you know, schedule out a poll. It's a very specific thing. Um, I was trying to remember, there was a story, and I, I looked it up here, in June 2019, because if you remember the origins of this, at E3 last year, Phil Spencer said, we're looking forward to, or right now we're currently working on consoles and he said plural. And so everyone's like, oh, interesting. And then there was the whole Anaconda Lockhart split. Everybody talked a lot about that. Um, and then June of 2019, there's a story here. Um, Spencer addressed the use of consoles during a recent Business Insider interview. Last year at E3, we said consoles. And we've shipped a console. And now we've detailed another console. I think that's plural, says Spencer. Right now, we're focusing on Project Scarlet and what we put on stage. And then sources familiar with Microsoft's plans tell The Verge that the plans for Lockhart, which was the Series S, were scrapped many weeks ago, thanks to developer concerns and a bigger focus on xCloud. So there was that story that the Series S was not in existence and now it just bubbled up again. So I wonder if they have flip-flopped and reversed course or if that was just confusing rumors that were never more than just hearsay. Why would they cancel it because of xCloud, though? It seems like the perfect console for xCloud. Well, maybe they're going with like, oh, you could just use an Xbox One with xCloud to play it, or you could play all these games on PC, oh, okay. so why do we need to release a cheaper console to begin with, I guess? But I'm kind of surprised that they're not emphasizing the cloud that much in this messaging, because I think back in the Anaconda Lockhart split days, everybody was thinking this would be the much cheaper game or much cheaper console, and then a lot of the computing would be happening in the cloud. And it seems like that's not really the case here. It's like, oh, it's actually a, a beefy little small console here. I think people just don't trust cloud gaming. I just, yeah. I, it, it, if you use it as a pillar, I think people are going to see it as a way to sort of uh, insult the platform. 
You know what I mean? But if you just have it as a feature that you don't really elevate that much, then that's just a bonus, you know? Yeah, and maybe they have tested the tech enough at this point to realize like, ah, xCloud's kind of cool, but eh, let's not lean on it in a big way. It's going to be kind of like as much weight as Sony puts behind PS Now or something, where it's, eh, it's a feature if yeah. you want it, but it's not the, the go-to thing here. I mean, I think it's also that hard is. to be like, yeah, this is the xCloud system when like, the, this laptop that you're reading this news on is also an xCloud system, you know, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. What were we saying? Sorry, Anna, I, oh no, no jump. worries. I was just, why do you think people are so distrustful of cloud gaming? Cause like, is it because Stadia did it first and it just didn't take off that much? You think it would have been better handled by say like, you know, like Xbox or like PlayStation. I mean, they all have their own options. Well, but. yeah. I mean, I was listening to uh, the Beastcast of the day, and Jeff Backlar on that uh, was doing a lot of side by side comparison between Stadia and XCloud. And he was saying that the Stadia mm-hmm. tech was, if you had to pick a winner, Stadia's tech was better than XCloud's. So things were running. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, Leo. I think people I mean, either don't trust their internet enough to do cloud mm-hmm. gaming or. Yeah they're really into technology and have the best internet they can have and mm-hmm. have a rig where they don't want to cloud game because they are serious about gaming in other ways. That's my I mean, I, I like Stadia. I've used it a fair bit. I have really? good internet. And I mean, I've, I've played and beat a game on it, which I feel like is, mo- is more than most people. But uh, yes, I'm bragging. I can see your face there, Hanson. I'm but, very I mean, impressed. I have good internet and my big takeaway was like, yeah, it's fine. Like, there's yeah. no way I would ever choose this over just playing something off a disc or a hard drive because even the smallest hiccup is super frustrating. And yeah. even though they were they were in in uncommon, like I still had them at least once an hour, you know, enough to be like, oh, I wish I was running this off a hard drive, you know. And I think most people feel similarly, you know. Yeah, I think you just want control, you know. And even yeah. though a lot of things can be taken away from you digitally and even physically at this point, uh, you know, I think just the idea of trusting the stream. It's just, eh, why, why do it? I just want a clean, easy way to have a powerful thing at my fingertips yeah. here. I'm excited to have it as an option, you know, but it, yeah. will, I, it would never be like, this is the way I play games. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think it is, um, it does serve well to just like open up libraries. Like I've used cloud, I've used PlayStation's cloud gaming service to play mm. like some older titles, like that were way in my backlog. But I was like, oh, I feel like I should play this. And it's an older game anyway, so it's going to be a little buggy on a port. So right. let's just go for it. Yeah, that seems like the right avenue. And so and maybe with this, it's like, hey, if you want to play Black in a browser at some point in the future, you will be able to with Project X Cloud. Which, by the way, when are they ditching that project name? Do you think they'll rename that before the launch? What's going on here? <laughs> it's been a long X-Cloud. time. X Cloud. Mm, Next, we'll call it Natal. They're going to call it iCloud. Perfect. Combine <laughs> it all. We got it. Um, so the specs of the Series S, the little rinky-dinky one, um, it is 60% smaller than the Series X. Uh, it has uh, a 500 gigabyte hard drive, which is going to go fast. Good Lord. Um, That's it like is, two um, Call of Duty War Zones. Yeah, exactly. Um, it is all digital. No discs on that sucker. Um, instead of a 4K machine, they're emphasizing it's a 1440p machine, but that it can still run 120 frames per second. They were showing Gears 5 running at 120, which is pretty crazy for this $300 console. Um, it has ray tracing support, 4K media playback, 4K game upscaling, variable rate shading. Leo, I see those eyebrows. Variable refresh rate, ultra low latency, um, and it also has the cool quick resume feature, uh, feature 
which is in the Series X as well, where you can jump between multiple games saved at the same time, which looks cool. Uh, Tom Warren from The Verge tweeted out, uh, he says, Microsoft has confirmed the Xbox Series S uses the same CPU as the Xbox Series X running at 3.6 gigahertz. Yes, the Xbox Series S CPU is faster than the PlayStation 5. Xbox Series X runs at 3.8 gigahertz. Xbox Series S runs at 3.6. So it's 0.1 gigahertz faster or slower than the PlayStation 5. It's pretty incredible that the same CPU is inside a $300 machine. Interesting to see how well it performs at 1440p. I will let the techies unpack uh, unpack everything there. But I like that, you know, somebody who knows a lot about this is still commenting. They're like, yeah, in theory, in some ways, even superior to PlayStation 5, which... Maybe that's what Gabe Newell was talking about a couple weeks ago when he was saying that he prefers Xbox this time around for the next generation. Yeah, as much as consoles always feel, you know, behind PC, it is interesting to see how they managed to get that price so low because having just bought a CPU to upgrade my computer recently, it was about the price of the Xbox Series X itself. Yeah. The fact that a CPU good enough to run a game at 1440 at 120 frames is in a $300 console, that is impressive it's mind-boggling uh so november 10th is when this stuff is coming out and so assassin's creed valhalla moved up a week uh so that's going to be releasing on launch day along with your precious watchdogs legion leo thank you Mm -hmm. um and then also gears tactics is going to be coming to console on november 10th which i feel like we should have guessed we were talking about like maybe microsoft flight simulator will come out on console to make up for the gap of halo we should have factored in they're like of course that makes sense they would port uh, gears tactics which by all accounts is a good strategy game to Great console game. Well, on that day oh you like it leo yeah what stands sure. out about it uh it it's really accessible more than any tactics game i've tried it feels very empowering whereas most tactics games feel like you're on your back foot at all times it's like you can make exciting satisfying decisions huh so like the ease of an XCOM enemy unknown but just not trying to beat you over the head constantly and not as buggy and stilted as XCOM like hmm. really smooth animations really smooth movement you know it's less grid based it's more like amount of feet to move yeah it'll be fun to have like a second win for a tactics game when it comes to console and people are looking for stuff to play they're like oh turns out this is great yeah um, people check it out I like it more than I've you know liked a Gears game in a long time yeah um, also on that November 10th day for the Xbox you can play Tetris Effect Connected which is the multiplayer version of the beloved Tetris Effect uh, and Yakuza 7 which I am very much looking forward to. Um, Is that like a dragon? (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of like a dragon. Yeah, you got it. (laughs) Okay, that's a Backstage Pass exclusive. Is that specific (laughs) joke? Um, Other thoughts on console news, console born news, where we're at with the Series S, Series X? I mean, PS5 details any day now as a result of this, right? You would have to think that it's coming up soon. Yeah, trying to figure out why they blinked first and how much they had ready to go and then the leak hit and they just said f it let's get it out the door so phil spencer tweeted i know it's been a wait for price date pre-order date thanks to the community for their support and encouragement great to see the reactions really proud of the team how they handled the unscripted announce which was supposed to be next week but oh well can't wait for oh, launch okay because like I, I i like it almost feels cons- conspiratorial theorist to me to be like oh they it was a result of this leak but it's like i it's like chicken and the egg situation like the leak probably happened because they were ready to yes go i think that's you know exactly what, I mean? so what it was. like but if i mean i i believe spencer when he says they pushed it up a week i don't have a reason not to believe him i really, don't have a reason not to know? believe him either but the weird part is 
if the Ubisoft spring forward, if they're going to announce the date change for Assassin's Creed Valhalla, don't you think that would have kind of, people would have been suspicious about why are they shifting to the 10th and they have this big Microsoft push? So how connected would it be to that? I don't know. That's, yeah, that's a good question. And I I also, I all, I, you know, I did say, I think Sony's probably ready to share their news, but I, I also don't think there is that reactionary either. Like I think, right. You know what I mean? I don't think they're going, I don't think they're having a meeting right now being like, well, we have to go right away because of Xbox. I mean, I think they have their plans all set and you know, maybe they can move them up a little bit, but yeah, I I wonder if God, I want to know how much that price has moved. If they just have, you know, two big, uh, sections of like a whiteboard with sticky notes on it where people voted if we should do 599 or 499 for the PS5 and they keep switching back and forth. And now it's like, they just they can't do five ninety nine. They won't do five ninety nine, right? There's no universe, right? I don't They'll know. Five eighty nine. That's a lot better. Yeah. Well, it is at that point though. You do five ninety nine, like you're getting into PC investment range. So why don't you just like upgrade your PC or yeah. get a PC? Because you won't have Spider Man at least for a little while, right? Because yeah, they had that interesting note. Oh, some investor meeting somewhere. Uh, I believe it was last week where Sony said that they were interested in doing more ports to PC, which is music to my dreams loving ears. I cannot yeah. wait to see more games get over on PC. Um, okay, there is a tweet from somebody say something. We need dreams on PC. Yeah, no. yep, any day now. Uh, but there's a tweet from uh, the Newshound Shinobi where he just ran through the month of November. Would you like to hear this nonsense? So November 6th, we have Dirt 5. November 10th, Destiny 2 Beyond Light. November 10th, the Series S console and the Series X. November 13th, Yakuza Like a Dragon. November 13th, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. New multiplayer details, by the way. Oh, and I guess November 10th, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And then November 19th, Cyberpunk 2077. And now November 20th, Kyle, we have Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity. Mm-hmm. Age of Calamity. What a good I, name. Another thing that was just tweeted out, a new Nintendo game, a new Switch game. Kyle, do you want to explain what Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity is? It's a prequel to Breath of the Wild, uh, taking place 100 years before Breath of the Wild. And it ideally, it's going to show the events that led up to Link basically having to go to sleep for 100 years, which is very exciting to me. I like the idea of a, a sort of uh, morbid sad you know the finish line for this game is they lose you know which is really exciting to me you know like i i like hyrule warriors fine you know like but i just conceptually i love how it like seems to fit so well it's like there is in this sort of fiction of breath of the wild there is a gigantic war and it's it just seems like such a smart good fit like i'm super excited about it i don't know it's such a weird way to get more Breath of the Wild lore is now through this Dynasty Warrior style game where it's like, ah, you got me. I do kind of want to see this stuff. And that trailer leans so heavily on story stuff over any gameplay stuff. So if you squint, you would not notice that it's a Hyrule Warriors game. And I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm... I think some people sort of just sort of mock Zelda story. Like they, I don't think they really care about Zelda story, but like, it's something I really love. And like, I do really genuinely like the story of breath of the wild. And like, I'm not a big fan of prequels in general. Like when I would rather obviously see what's next in breath of the wild too, but like just the setup, like the halo reach style setup. Yeah. Like this, this is where things went wrong and a chance to see that. Like, 
and play as Zelda and play as the Guardians, like, I'm totally on board. Like, I think it it does mean Breath of the Wild 2 is not coming out this year by any means. Not that I was I was I was hopeful but pessimistic that that would happen. But like, I it just seems like a good fit for that Hyrule Warriors mold, and I'm totally on board. Yeah. Yeah, Anna, what do you think of that trailer? I mean, I like I love Breath of the Wild, and like I'm on board with Kyle here. Like, I think that the like the almost like sparse lore of Breath of the Wild was like really effective because like there's a lot of intrigue around the world. Um, And like that game sort of like built up this curiosity in that world that now I feel like this new Warriors game is like going to sort of like answer to me like, okay, like what was here before this? Like what was going on? Like what did this all look like? Um, And what I'm curious to see is like, okay, um, like how much are they going to sort of like reuse assets and like the larger world from Breath of the Wild itself. Um, because, like, is this going to be, like, are we going to see everything sort of developed or is, like, things destroyed a lot and, like, they're really going to lean heavily on, um, you know, like, these open plains areas and these ruins and that, like, sort of um, area environment. So, visually, I'm kind of interested to see, like, how Hyrule, this Hyrule sort of, like, changes. Yeah, um, and, like, are they just going to take chunks of it and turn it into the dynasty warriors style arenas because i played a little bit of that first hyrule warriors kyle and correct me if i'm wrong was a lot more kind of wide corridors where you had to kind of navigate unlock certain areas and stuff like doesn't feel like it would work as well just in a wide open field it was not unique from your pretty standard dynasty warriors in any way yeah it was like big big levels with the map on screen i expect this is going to be similar yeah i don't really have i don't think it will i think i think we'll see a lot of reused enemy and character assets I'm guessing we won't see a lot of reused level assets. Mm. That's my assumption. Um, but there's still an opportunity for things like just to get nerdy with it. Like there's the d- dilapidated Lon Lon Ranch that you can find uh, near Hyrule Castle. Like, will we see that before it was mm-hmm. destroyed? Like even mm. little Easter eggs like that will be very exciting for someone like me, you know, who's obsessive yeah. about that stuff. And yeah. it's, it's fun to think that you should be excited about learning more about the lore in the Breath of the Wild sequel, which they've already teased. And it's kind of an interesting sign that maybe they're not going to be that focused on the past in the sequel. They're going to be plowing ahead and charting new territory. They're not just going to be mining more Breath of the Wild nostalgia. Mm. Which I kind of hope so. Like if, you know, they have this, like it'd be cool to just see um, Breath of the Wild 2 just like go and just like be kind of daring with its storytelling and not feel tied down by this. So I hope that gives it you know untethers it even more you know like all right like we don't need to explain all this stuff because like you can go play the warriors game yeah and i wonder if they're going to be more connected in general the way that they're all kind of within the breath of the wild Mm -hmm. zone of the story story the era instead of just you know claiming that they're all part of the same story later yeah 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 yeah, right because zelda can kind of do that like saying like oh you know this is of course, this is like fan, like there are a lot of fan theories like trying to connect like very disparate stories, um, and so it would be fun to actually get like a very consistent three titles like in one world. Um, yeah, yeah. Kyle, in your heart of hearts, do you think this Hyrule Warriors game will be satisfying on a lower level? Do you think you'll be moved by anything, or do you think it's going to be a series of like, okay? Oh, that's a good question. Okay, yeah, I think I will say. Because there are moments in, in Breath of the Wild that I find genuinely moving, honestly. Yeah, Zelda like, crying and stuff. Like, there's great yeah, scenes in there. I, 
I don't know because like I think on paper it will be it like it will like written out the plot of Hyrule Warriors I think will be interesting especially leading into the events of Breath of the Wild. Yeah. But in terms of like a cutscene, like will that final cutscene where Link is defeated and Zelda has to take him to mm-hmm. the place where he goes to sleep, will that be a moving cutscene? I don't know. I think it will be since apparently like Nintendo is involved in that part of the game significantly. Yeah. Like my hope is that like you know, they're letting Koei Tecmo do all the action, do all the big, crazy, you know, attacks that everyone can unlock and doing the sort of mechanical game design. But then Nintendo is more focused on scripting and cutscenes and stuff like that. I think it has the potential to be, but I'm like somewhat pessimistic about that. I think it's more going to just be like interesting from a narrative Cimmerillion kind of perspective, you know, <laughs> oh, if that makes comparison. sense. You yeah, know what I'm yeah. Saying? No, I get like you. almost get just you. like the, this is like the really interesting Wikipedia entry about Breath of the Wild, you know. <laughs> Wikipedia combined with Dynasty Warriors, my kind of gaming. <laughs> uh, there was also but last. Yeah, very exciting. Yeah. Also, dude, just fun to see new art. Just new yeah. Breath of the Wild art. The cover art has like a new type of guardian on it. And I was like, what is that? That's so exciting. <laughs> Get out of town. Uh, also, yeah. last week, the day the podcast went live was the Super Mario 35th anniversary. We have a reaction video on YouTube if you want the full breakdown. But they announced very confusingly a new handheld Game & Watch Super Mario Brothers releasing on November 13th. Of course, it's limited edition, which is a recurring theme here. Uh, Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury, which one of my favorite Wii U games is going to be awesome to have on the Switch. And imagine they're just making an expanded kind of like new Super Luigi U super difficult bonus levels going on there. That seems to be what they're teasing. I, and I hope you can jump right to it. Because I would, yeah. I, I, th- that's the reason I want to play 3D World is to play the new stuff. Yep. I don't really want to replay it. So I hope you can just, you know, bunny hop over to that really hard, challenging stuff. Uh, cat hop, yeah. Rosalina will just be there waiting for you. I don't want to have to unlock Rosalina again. Yeah. Leo, did you watch any of this 35th anniversary thing? No, I didn't. It's totally I'm not a fine. big Mario man. I know you're not a Mario man, but you should go look at uh, they announced Super Mario Brothers 35, uh, which is basically <laughs> Mario One combined with Tetris 99. Perfect, perfect, absurd gaming where it's going to be uh, Nintendo Online exclusive, and it's going to apparently, like everything else, age out on March 31st, 2021, and not be available. But basically, it's Mario and if you defeat an enemy, it sends an enemy to other players like Tetris 99 and you're all running at the same time. They basically made their version of Mario 1 as a battle royale and it is just impeccably stupid and exactly up my alley. Now, Are I you pulling it up right now, Leo? Are we seeing your live reaction face? I'm watching the trailer right now. I honestly, okay, I think that that's going to be a good hit like coming yeah. off the sort of uh, trails of Fall Guys. Like, this right. sort of chaotic battle mm. royale is like not a new concept now. So people, like, even if it's not the most playable thing, I feel like people will be like, oh yeah, like, that's the point. It's ridiculous. It's going to be a great thing to stream for sure, right? Yeah. Props to them for doing everything you possibly can with a guy runs left to right and jumps on stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Mario Maker and everything. It's like truly impressive how much they've gotten out of that. <laughs> Uh, including their new twist on Mario Kart, uh, one of their best-selling franchises, if not their number one best-selling uh, franchise. Now they're making Mario Kart Live, colon, Home Circuit, where it's Mario Kart AI. I hope you have a big living room with a lot of empty space. <laughs> Hardwood like. flooring necessary. Uh, yeah. So you're setting up your own track, and then it actually comes with a Mario Kart go-kart for $100. 
If you want Mario and Luigi, that's going to cost you $200, of course. But Mario standalone, $100. You make a little track, and then you can race it. And there's like a little GoPro on the go-kart, so you can see it from your Switch's perspective. It was the perfect example of seeing it and being like, this is the dumbest thing. I will never buy this, but I love it so much at the same time. I love that Nintendo is apparently taking the lessons from Pokemon Go and just going nuts with it. And they contracted out with Velen Studios, which is fun. It's a studio formed by the original founders of Vicarious Visions who made the Tony Hawk remake. So it's all connected here. Um, all the money. That's right. Anna, is there any universe where you'd buy Mario Kart Live Home Circuit and race it around your home? It's like one of those games that I really hope someone in my family buys so I can spend like an afternoon playing it and really enjoying it and then not having to spend $100 on a plastic Mario camera. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yes. No, I'm 100% with you. Because like there are fun, silly things like the idea of if you hit somebody else with a power up, then they can't spin out, obviously, because you'd be changing a physical thing. So it just like kills the engine in the other car for a little bit. It seems <laughs> it seems so wonderful. Yeah. Well, and I love the idea of um, like building tracks in the house. Like, yeah. Out of, like cereal boxes and like whatever you have like lying around. That sounds great. Like if you have the time and the space and the hardwood flooring for it, like sounds fantastic. Um but I probably won't buy it. Yeah, that seems reasonable. That's coming out October 16th. And then the biggest uh, news piece here was Super Mario 3D All-Stars. I love that they just call it 3D All-Stars. It makes me so happy that they leaned into that. And so this has Super Mario Super Mario uh, 64, Sunshine, and Galaxy. And as far as I understand, based on the internet, they actually took Galaxy 2 at the end of the video and snapped the disc in half. And then Miyamoto wiped it with his butt, which, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that really was surprising really- that it was a disc, first of all. I mean, that was like <laughs> the weirdest part of it. <laughs> it was odd. I don't know what they were thinking. Uh, but yes, Galaxy I mean, 2 is I, not I, I do understand the sort of, like, that. that's awesome. I will absolutely own that. But, like, I do understand the, like, wait, what about Galaxy 2? Because it does feel so hand-in-hand hand with Galaxy 1. I assume porting Galaxy 1 would make porting Galaxy 2 very easy. I'm not a developer. I don't maybe maybe those games are more different than I realize on a technical level. Yeah. But like it does it does feel like it's absent in a way, you know? Is there any other Mario game, any other 3D Mario game that's just missing like that from within that window? Like obviously no. 3D World is getting its own thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, a, it is, seems yeah. like a huge oversight to me. It's like making this for archival purposes is such a good idea and then just missing what all I've heard is that it's everyone's everyone prefers it to Galaxy 1. Yeah. yeah. Big debate, but yeah, it's going to us. Yeah, I don't know if they would sell it. Like could I doubt like, you know, the same way I bought like the Mega Man X Switch game at the you know, the cartridge has Mega Man X 1 through 4 on it or 1 through 6. It, it whatever, it's semantics. But like then you have a code for the rest of the games? Yeah. Like, will there yeah. be an opportunity to, like, add Galaxy 2 to it with a download code that you pay for or something? I like, highly doubt it, right? Because now yeah. it's limited time release as well. So then, like, they would have to add Mario, Super Mario Galaxy 2 in the time period that this is available. And that's another thing that people are pretty frustrated about, right? Like, yeah. you'll, I don't know, like, it's... Is it like a, it's not even a year that it will technically be on No, it expires uh, March 31st, 2021, because yeah. it's not going to be his anniversary anymore. So you need to hit yeah. the Mario anniversary or else it won't feel right playing these classic yeah. Mario games. You know, <laughs> okay. the year of Luigi has to pass for you to honor that it actually <laughs> happened. 
I mean, are they just saving it for a future 3D All-Stars 2? Since this one's spanning generations, and then what, if they're suddenly all caught up, then they can't do it again with just the Switch Marios or whatever, you know? Saving it to make a future package more appealing? Realistically, I would would think a future package would be on the table if they hadn't announced 3D World coming to Switch standalone. Yeah. Because they could do Galaxy 2 3D World and Odyssey and maybe throw a 3D Land on there for... For me, even though it doesn't make any sense, but <laughs> that'd be a tough one to pull. Uh, yeah, I don't. Galaxy Two is just like out the window at this point. It's so strange. Yeah, Weird. it's yeah. it's awesome to have 3D All Stars, but then people obviously bring up the price as well, where it's they're not remaking these games; they're remastering them. They look nice. Mario sixty four isn't in sixteen nine, but then they're charging sixty bucks for it. And you compare that to like the awesome job, you know, the Vicarious Visions and Toys for Bob did for remaking Crash and Spyro, and they released those full remakes for forty bucks. But yeah, Nintendo people will pay it. And so what are you going to do? Not buy Mario 64 on your switch. I dare you people. <laughs> um, I yeah, think right I, Jeff Cork once said Nintendo gonna Nintendo. Right. <laughs> I believe so. Sorry, um, Anna. <laughs> oh, no worries. No, just like on that note, I actually like, um, wrote, a, it'll come out tomorrow. So this is a sneak peek, but like I wrote up a quick piece, uh, for polygon, which was just like, Oh, like, Remember Super Mario 64 DS? That was a really great port. Um, because like I because w- like that has 30 more stars and you can play as Luigi and Yoshi. And I'm kind of yeah. like a little salty that I won't be able to play that on the Switch. And like I get yeah. that this is a remake of the 64, but like the platforming is just like a lot better as Yoshi or Luigi. Like Elbow <laughs> Mountain is like kind of hard to play in a lot of situations. Um, just with like the regular Mario jump and I was like kind of thinking like, oh, I wonder if people would have been happier if they're just like, hey, we remastered and like reported like Super Mario Sunshine completely. We like rehauled the like the trickier gameplay parts. We yeah. like balanced it a little better. We added these fun, you know, I don't know, like add a new nozzle to it. Like if people would have been like a little and then make it just like release like period, you know, like no limited time. If- folks would have been happier it's yeah it's a dick move i don't know what it says about me but like i don't want that is that <laughs> weird that like i like i i will absolutely <laughs> embrace it for like a crash bandicoot and tony hawk remake but yeah. like i don't want them to re-examine sunshine and i don't that's, know why that I mean, is that's, that's really fair would you want but, like a pack yeah. of mario galaxy one and two instead of the 3d all-stars Oh, well, I would, yeah, but just because I love Galaxy 1 and 2 so much. I think Galaxy is the best Mario, 3D Mario game, period. But, yeah. Um, yeah. No doubt about I, it. But I don't know why I give them exception to, like, just feel like their games are fine and don't need to be revisited. I mean, mm. I'm sure they would They would obviously benefit from, you know, re-examination, but... You should talk about that I, with, like, a, with a therapist. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I should figure that out. Yeah. We've all been talking about it. <laughs> we'll start a new podcast it's just therapy for you Kyle because we've all we've all had a lot of thoughts that's right yeah getting better is third of the entire creed here we gotta do it Um, I'll call in and my my goal will be to allow Nintendo to re-examine it worked with Wind Waker it's a reverse advice show Um, (laughs) instead of people calling you in and you give advice (laughs) they call in (laughs) wait Oh, and they, you give them advice. We'll they call in and give you advice. <laughs> and you have to follow it. Yeah, no matter yeah. what. Right. Um, but this seems like a good time to announce 
something we've been thinking about around these parts, which is it's been a while since we've done a deepest dive. The game club actually hasn't been that long. We just did Halo Combat Evolved just a couple weeks ago. But <laughs> so long. It, oh my god, I even remember how the format goes. But these are our incredibly thorough game club discussions where we have the community play along with us and submit their comments on Patreon, and then we read them on the show. You can lock, unlock the podcast version if you support us at the five dollar tier. But it only seems proper that on September 18th, we should kick off the big Super Mario 64 deepest dive. And the crowd went wild. The crowd went wild. Everybody in the backstage passed. They're popping champagne. My God, it's happening. We got to acknowledge that Leo said, let's a go. (laughs) (laughs) He says he's not a Mario man, but but then says, I'm confused. Ravioli. Uh, (laughs) Did you know the singular of ravioli is raviolo? Hang on, how do I hang up oh. on Anna? Is that one an option? One ravioli is a raviolo. No, it's that's the, not. That's the, that's that's the, the villain motto. from uh, Link Between Worlds, isn't it? <laughs> I think that's right. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's not important. The it's important thing, Anna, is the deepest dive on Super Mario 64 is going to be happening. Um, the first episode, we'll have more details in the future, but the first episode, I believe, is going to be later. So let's say we're recording on... September 24th, and it'll release that Friday. So it'll be breaking Mario 64 up into three parts. So the first part, it's a tough game. If you have any advice on how to separate it and and divide it, let us know. But I think the way we should do it is just everything in the game up until the first Bowser fight. The first of three Bowser fights. So if we're breaking it up into thirds, that math works out, right? Yes. Yeah, I mean, I think the, I think the, the first... I think it's a little shorter, you know, leading up to that first Bowser fight. Like, I yes. think the second and third sections will be longer, but I think it's just a really clean way. And then also, yeah. if you get to Bowser and you want to keep playing, like, those earlier levels and go get all the stars and stuff, like, you can. Yeah. So you don't need don't to go I, for a 100% run or, like, get all the stars, but we're going to be talking about those levels in those areas before the first Bowser fight. So if you want to talk about a high-level star in that first area, we can talk about it in that first episode. Yeah, I think that'll work. But yes, please give Hanson your advice if there's a better way to break it apart. Leo, you're a man in thought. I'm interested in this Deepest Dive conceptually because we've talked before about it potentially being harder to do a Deepest Dive that's more gameplay oriented. I know. And I don't think there will be much of many story breakdown discussions in this one. So I'm curious how it'll go. Whatever story discussion there is to be had about Super Mario 64, we're going to have it, Leo. So please join us on that adventure. It'll be a standalone uh, YouTube video. And then again, you can unlock the podcast version of those Super Mario 64 discussions if you support us at the $5 tier on Patreon. We'll have more details in uh, the coming days and weeks. All right, um, Anna, you are smarter than us, yes? <laughs> it's it's really a crapshoot at this point. Mm. I think my the the pandemic's been kind of destroying my brain but you know still you chose to play crusader kings 3 which i think makes you smarter than all of us combined at least braver just just wait (laughs) just wait until you hear about how i've been playing it (laughs) okay (laughs) so we can alter that original statement oh boy so this is paradox's uh strategy game where uh it's big scale strategy but then also family dynamics all that fun stuff uh ign because the pc nerds have taken over over there IGN gave it a 10 out of 10, just like Microsoft Flight Simulator. It is amazing. And I want to love Crusader Kings because I used to listen to so much of the Idle Thumbs podcast. 
and they spend so much time telling these amazing stories from Crusader Kings 2 and all the mods and stuff like that. So what is your history with Crusader Kings and why did you choose to jump into Crusader Kings 3? Um, so I played Crusader Kings 2 um, with like my longtime partner. So he taught me how to play Crusader Kings 2 because he grew up playing it. Um, and so just like there's just like one day over like Christmas time when he's like, all right, like you need to learn how to play this game. Like you can't be a games journalist and not learn how to play this game. And yeah, I was Kyle. Like, oh. um, and so um, started with like Crusader Kings 2, played some of that with him. Even after like sinking like hours to, into it, I was a little bit like, all right, like this is hard. Like it's, you really got to settle down. And so um, after, you know, like sort of reading a little bit about Crusader Kings 3, um, like I was like reading some like pre-gameplay like impressions type stuff. Yeah. Like it was seeming like Paradox was like working super hard on like making it more accessible. So that was kind of something I was interested in, like having played Crusader Kings 2, like how accessible is this? Like how much can I play it? Um, because like you were saying, right, it's like really hard to learn and it is just, it's like a, it's a beast of a game to learn. Um, the tutorial, the in-game tutorial, which is now offered, which is great, um, takes about an hour standard. But then like I was reading, it take it took like me two hours to get through it because like what's really great, but then also, you know, makes it hard is like they've added little features like there's like blue text and you can hover over it and it'll like explain the game. Mm. Um, so little features like that actually even though like it can make it a little bit overwhelming to learn like a lot more accessible and open to play. Um, so, I mean, for me, I think what really made it like I was, it was kind of a little too intimidating for a bit, but then what I sort of did was like, okay, I'm not going to try and learn like everything right off the bat. I'm just going to allow myself to like exist in this world and just like play this game and just try not to like die. Like I'm not <laughs> going for world domination. Like I just want to do like some fun stuff. Um, so like just focus like, okay, let's see if like I can just start with, you know, um, producing like a ridiculous amount of airs and just like see what happens. Like <laughs> if I listen, so like I had like nine airs. I was just like on fire. We were just popping Air Jordan. Um, <laughs> and just um popping off airs <laughs> yeah popping off airs um and just like seeing like okay i'm gonna make like the largest catholic family that i possibly can um and just like, like see what happens huh that's like my grandma hey! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that your grandma would love crusader kings 3 um but i mean it's like it's it's really great like and other than that there's actually um there's like a bunch of systems changes as far as like the second to the third now. Like it's just like easier to play. Um, and I read um, one of the developers saying like, oh, you should play Crusader Kings 3 like Sims. And I was like, oh, okay. Oh, um, weird. That was from like Charlie Hall's review of Polygon. Okay. And so I was like, I actually think that that's really good advice. Um, and so if you play it like, oh, I'm going to try and make like the literally like the largest family possible, like something kind of goofy like that it's like a lot more fun to play than be like okay i'm gonna stress out about like all these weird like vassals and all these titles that i don't know and like these people who i'm managing like revolting on me it's like whatever just like let them revolt have your fun um and you'll learn how to play the game that way because i think it's just like infinitely more approachable that way and the fun um, is just the family fun, the dynamics and stuff the main point hmm 
like winning isn't the main point or shouldn't be. I, I don't try. I don't try to win. Yeah. I've just like, let's see what's like, what fun stuff we can do. Cause that's, what's really incredible about the game. There's like so much rating. It's so deep. Like the relationships are like too. what's really cool is they're like rooted in like actual historical relationships. So it is like one of those great games where like, if you're like a European history buff, you would get so much out of this game. Cause you could be like, Oh, well I actually know that like these regions historically haven't, been that you know like that great so i shouldn't try and do that but it would be really fun in this game to like see like what if like you know i don't know after the norman invasion like actually you know like all these weird kind of like history role play things it's really fun here's here's Um, a dumb question how do you um how do you court people in crusader kings 3 so there's like there's a lot to it so basically um like within there's like an easy way to do it where it's like you can sort of like autogen people who would say yes who are like within your realm um so like it can be as easy as like just like clicking on your character uh clicking on like you can like click to marry them off and then you get a list and you can like filter out everyone so you can be like okay like i only want people who are like the same religion i only want people who are like oh, my character is really aggressive, so I want someone who's, like, very pious who will, like, balance me out. So you could do that. No pets, can't smoke. Yeah, it needs Mm -hmm. to be between 24 and 30. Yeah, all the the tender bio stuff. You can do it by fertility. You can do it. It's so... Like The Office. (laughs) What? (laughs) They gotta like The Office. Oh, he likes Office. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's a filter. Um... And then, like, basically the game, like, they run the, the game runs the numbers and it gives you, like, a likelihood of they'll accept your proposal. Yeah. So, okay, you've made the world's biggest family, other in-game adventures in Crusader Kings 3? Um, I haven't yet, but honestly, okay, I think Crusader Kings 3 is such a good game to stream. And you just, like, have people be like, hey, what should I do today? Um, Yeah. I saw one person who was literally like, I'm just trying to make the biggest baby possible. Like literally like <laughs> the largest character possible. So he found like the tallest wife in all of Europe. And he, and like, like just kept having babies. Um, and so like, that's why, and I think that's a really great example of like why it should be played like Sims. It's yeah. Like, it's way more fun and you still learn about the game. So like, if you play that way, you'll learn the necessary systems you need to get that done. And then eventually, like, if you want to play for, you know, world domination, then then you can. But you got to make the big baby first. <laughs> Step one, big baby. <laughs> I mean, it just, and it just basically looks like a like a real-time strategy game at that point, or is it Turn-based. Like, um, so, okay. yeah, it's like, um, there's like a little bit, like with warring and stuff, like there's some like real-time strategy, but then there's just like, a lot of other systems that come yeah. into play that you can. I mean, like, it's like civilization, the closest cousin to this thing or like, yeah. Sit uh, with more family stuff, I guess. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like way more family stuff. And that's like where it can get a little overwhelming. It's like, all right, this dude has like all this backstory and, and there's skill trees for the individual players that you play as. So that's like a little bit, that's supposed to make it easier because now you're playing as players and humans rather than like countries and regions. Mm. Um, Cause that's like the biggest shift from Crusader Kings two is like, mm. it's more individually character based, but huh. it's also like, gotcha. Oh my God, I don't care what his skill tree is. Like there's so much stuff on the screen. Yeah. Um, so it's easier 
to understand that Crusader Kings 2 and awesome, but still there's a learning curve here. Yeah, there's a learning curve. Um, but honestly, you can, like I was saying, you can make the learning curve smaller by just not caring about certain parts of the game. <laughs> right, right. Okay, ignore um, what you want to ignore. That, that's that's yeah. good advice. So, God, it's going to be one of those games that I bet some people will bring up in Game of the Year discussions. Yeah, I think it is. Like, I mean, and Crusader Kings 2 is just so good. Like, it is working from a really solid foundation. Um, just yeah. like the amount of care. And the writing, just like the accuracy and the, I think it'll be a lot of people's goodies, to be honest. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, Leo, we love Hi. you. We appreciate you. Um, fantastic work on the latest Watch Later video, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, much more of like a genuine history thing than I <laughs> expected. Like, still all the great Leo Vader jokes, but like also like, oh, I did learn something about blowing into microphones. Yeah, you want to explain what the video is, Leo? Uh, it's the complete history of blowing into microphones in yes. games. It spans the generations and, you know, there is some some fun jokes in there. There's some fun information in there. I call it funutainment. <laughs> Funtertainment? Yeah. So, yeah, check it out. Check it I, out. I'm really proud of it. I put more work into it than maybe I should have. But it's <laughs> I think yeah, it's really great. Uh, yeah. Leo, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Is is this the video that inspired that tweet? That was like some of my jokes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, no. Wait, yeah, there this? was a comment that was like, "Hey, my advice, you know, you you got some good jokes in here, but the bad it's being drowned out by all the bad jokes." <laughs> <laughs> no, you gotta have them both. Also, I would argue there aren't any bad ones. Yeah, the bad ones are the best ones, I think. Yeah, those That's are the good ones, good. I think. So try and figure that puzzle Watch out, Leo. <laughs> but yeah, go to uh, Minmax's YouTube channel. You can see all of Leo Vader's Watch Later video series released every other week. And Anna's, of course, uh, Refresh series released uh, the same day, technically on YouTube, every other Friday. So check out both those shows. Um, Leo, thank you for being here. Uh, would you like to clap out to make room for uh, Saucy Surreal? Love to. Surreal Vasquez! Uh, that's me. Welcome to the show, sir. Hello. What were you doing all day? I was busy doing work stuff. Yeah? Do you want to get into that stuff? Uh, not really. It's not super entertaining. Okay. SEO stuff, yada, yeah. yada, yada. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, hey, I was meaning to ask you, Suriel, do you know how this whole thing operates? SEO stuff. SEO stuff, primarily. I know, uh, Patreon. There we go. Patreon.com slash Remax 2 ends. Thanks to everybody that supports us. We appreciate it. We have the deepest dive on Super Mario 64 coming up, so please support us at any tier, and you can submit a comment for us to read on the show. Also, if you're at that $10 tier, you can watch us record not only the deepest dive, but also the Minmax show live. We have a live group right now talking amongst themselves, reacting to the show, and the fun thing answering community questions if they have great answers to the community questions that we're going to be going through here uh we can read them off on the show so join that crew we'd love to see you in there live for the backstage pass uh okay thanks to bambox they say hey maxers there's just a few days left to go to grab the next gamer box with collectible items from dota 2 assassin's creed valhalla mario kart and overwatch the box closes on the 15th and while you're waiting on your box we'd love to hear from you we have a thriving facebook community where you can make trades or be part of some awesome giveaways you can always hit us up on twitter at 
at The Bam Box as well. We also go live every other Friday on Facebook, Instagram, Periscope, YouTube, and Twitch. By tuning in and joining the show, you'll have a chance to win big with multiple giveaways every week. You especially won't want to miss a special live event we're having next Thursday night, the 17th, where we'll be making some of the biggest announcements we've ever made while also giving away autographs and other awesome items. Last time, people won Stan Lee autographs, PS4s, and much more. We look forward to seeing you there from the BAM Box. Thanks so much to who, Kyle? The Bambot. You got it. Also, thanks to Rook, a wonderful community member. Thank you, Rook. He says, welcome, good hunters. Hang on. Does anybody know Bloodborne? Um, I've played half of it. Okay. Hunters are a thing in Bloodborne, yeah. I'm aware of that, but like, Kyle, is there like a, how would you say as a Bloodborne character, welcome, good hunters? It whispery okay. through a closed window. Do you want right? to try so, it? That sounds good, right? Yeah, that sounds about right, yeah. Welcome, Hunter. Wow. It's not bad. That, that was uncanny. <laughs> Anyways, Rick says... You're bloodborne. Welcome, Hunters. Are you ready for a month-long night of the hunt? Is it your first time through? Fifth time through, but haven't played in since release? Never fear, for the Blood Bros are here. Join Adam Walker, Yarnum Ranger, and myself each Tuesday in September as we shepherd the community along their path in search of pale blood to transcend the hunt. I recently made a Hunter's Primer stream this Sunday afternoon as a refresher for veterans and guide for newcomers. Our first guest for Blood Bros on September 1st is none other than our lovely Jeff Cork, who has made it his September Better Quest goal to finally finish Bloodborne. Join us on twitch.tv slash raven named rook each Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern. Special thanks to Chris Lee, Drifter Like on Twitter, for the lovely Blood Bros illustration on the TV behind Ben Hansen. Actually, it's on the screen in front of me. Um, uh, and Alex Brinegar at Clobberin Time on Twitter. Feel the old blood by the gods. Fear it, Hansen. All right, you got it. Thanks so much, Rook, for uh, doing this huge dive into Bloodborne. You can f- learn more in the Discord if you want to learn what that's all about or follow him uh, on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Raven named Rook. It's so cool that Jeff Cork jumped in there and they guided him through his first journey in Bloodborne. It's very fun. Also, thanks to I'm 8-Bit for their support. They want us to know that they have a Battletoads vinyl. Two, vi- hang on, do you call it two disc vinyl? Two vinyl vinyl? Two record vinyl. Two record vinyl! Battletoads smash hits. Uh, And it comes in a pimple pink vinyl featuring the I Am 8-Bit exclusive Kiss My Fist, a 3D pop-up gatefold jacket. Uh, So disc one has music from the original Battletoads soundtrack composed by your best friend David Wise, Kyle Hilliard. And then disc two features music from David Housden, who composed the music for Battletoads 2020. And as a special bonus, 500 randomly selected orders will receive Rash's Totally Rad Adventure Cassette. So you can buy that Battletoads soundtrack on vinyl with I Am 8-Bit. And remember to use the promo code MINMAXSHOW for 10% off any orders over there at our dear friends I Am 8-Bit. Go show them some love. Thanks to I Am 8-Bit for supporting MinMax, and you can support MinMax too by submitting a comment or question for us to read on the show. Help make the show better in more ways than one. Every week, we choose a question of the week, and I Am 8-Bit ships them an amazing prize from their online store. And this week, the prize is... Oh, what's it going to be? A plushie from Owlboy, one of Surreal's oh. uh, favorite games from the last five years. Yes, Surreal? It's a really good game. Awesome. So if you submit a comment that is our favorite this week... I'm8bit will ship out this dear friend plushie. Thanks to I'm8bit again for their support. Okay, on to the questions. Joseph Stanichair 
former uh, Game Informer intern. He says, hello, everybody. With Nintendo announcing Pikmin 3 Deluxe, Mario 3D All-Stars, and Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity through Twitter, and Xbox doing the same, it seems that most big gaming companies are shying away from pre-announced flashy showcases and only make announcements when they're months or even weeks away from coming out. This obviously is because of the pandemic making any long-term plans tenuous at best. But when, if, the dust of the apocalypse settles, do you want to go back? I have to say, the idea of not needing to stress out over covering another million press conferences sounds appealing, but I might miss the fun anticipation and excitement of collectively gathering to react to all the hottest gaming announcements gathered into one place. What do y'all think about this fast and loose form of announcements? I mean, it is a little bit of a product of the pandemic, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also pretty effective. Like, you know, I mean, I think the news is getting out there in this much cheaper, simpler way. So I don't, I don't think it's going to be the, the new normal, but I think we'll see it more maybe. Yeah. yeah. I feel like with Nintendo, it always feels like YouTube is like the center of what they do. Like the, like everyone waits to watch the video on YouTube versus I guess, you know, just the news that the, you know, the Xbox is 300 or 500. I think that's kind of like the, the tipping point. And then the video is kind of secondary to that. I don't have any like good basis to base that on, but it feels like because Nintendo's kind of made their uh, name with like directs and stuff, right? Those are like long form videos. Well, not long form, but like longer than trailer videos of like, here's the stuff, here's our slate, right? Um, but yeah, like I, I think that other companies are kind of glomming onto what Nintendo was already on of just like, yeah, we can just, we can just do this all without having to have a big show and it's way cheaper. And yeah, you don't necessarily... Uh, are not the center of like this big conference, but like the news is still out there. Like the new, like ultimately the conferences were um, the conduit that all the announcements went to. Right. And so the, if the announcements are still around, you don't need the conduit. Yeah. It is just weird seeing stuff like the series S trailer where it's building up as if we don't know what's coming where it's like, Oh, mm-hmm. smaller, blah, 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 blah. The series S and just that format doesn't work in that way, but everything's so rooted in being in the middle of a gigantic E3 presentation where it's actually going to be a surprise. It's like, you know, it's very much like the podcast, Kyle, you know, Conan does this all the time where he teases who the guest is and it's like, (laughs) it's the name of the podcast episode. Like you're not playing with the medium that you're in. And I feel like a lot of those YouTube videos are falling in that exact same camp where it's like, this should be a reveal, but not in this format. It feels like a lot of the stuff should have been in a larger Xbox presentation. And maybe that's what they had planned for next week. And then that fell through. You never know. Yeah. So I I wonder how much of that is just a product of like, well, we were planning to uh, basically show this exact render, but so we just saved it. And so we're not going to like that costs too much to change or whatever. Or if just companies are just like, oh, I guess. Yeah. If you if you know what the title of the video is, you don't need to like build it up that way and maybe take a different approach. So it's just like a weird (laughs) it's going to take maybe next year to for, for people to accommodate to like the new format. But We'll see what ends up happening next year. Who knows where we'll be at then? Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think another piece of all of this, like, ha- like thinking through how they're going to do announcements, is the fact that, like, because of the pandemic, so many announcements, like, they had to, like, you know, sort of take a couple steps back and be like, oh, actually, like, release dates are soft now. Like, all of these things, like, they're like some details are less sure for like certain announcements, and so. I'm sure like that also plays into like how the announcement like, oh, it's much easier to sort of backpedal a release date on like a Twitter post than it is on like a giant, you know, 
on like a banner, you know, mm-hmm. like maybe a Final Fantasy 15 banner or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Just something immutable. Yeah. Uh, I like um, Xbox when they tweeted like the reveal of the prices and stuff. They're like, this is the tweet you've been waiting for. And it's like, eh, I wasn't hoping for it to be a tweet, but I think the news is going to get out regardless, right? It'll eventually will yeah. bubble up to everything. But uh, I mean, there's I, probably also research of like that tweet just having that tweet that people can share just is like gets so much more distributed than like waiting for news headlines and stuff. I don't know. Yeah, I think so. But I like that Xbox tweeted out about the Xbox Series S. You've memed the design. Now find out how we fit all the next gen load times, high frame rates, and dynamic worlds in our smallest oh. Xbox ever. So, yeah, okay. Yes, we did <laughs> you, make fun yeah, you of you. You can't acknowledge the meme uh. element as the corporate like you, you, you know what i mean like it just doesn't it eliminates the sort of fun of it you know that or xbox, they have to go all the way and like sponsor a page on know your meme and for yep. their own <laughs> xbox they need to do it that's not a bad idea actually that xbox twitter account is pretty fast and loose compared to old uptight corporate playstation over there you know, i feel <laughs> like they're they're leaning into the memes and being sillier i think everyone's kind of taking yeah. cues from like cyberpunk or well hopefully not early cyberpunk twitter account but even like fall guys it's like everything's just getting looser and looser and looser with yeah. these twitter accounts. i mean you, you have to like you have to find a balance though because there's like xbox on twitter and then you know thq nordic on you know hn it's just you have to figure out what you, what the best medium for your social somewhere posts, in the sorry. middle of that yeah right. my, sony has to find good. a good middle ground between those two obviously not going yeah and also like I will say, like, I I feel bad, like, but Xbox, like, being more loose and meme-like does feel like a boomer <laughs> trying to lean into, like, meme culture than it does feel, like, organic, you know? Um, yeah. I, w- I would also want to see what the conversations around each individual posts are for an account like that. of just, like, okay, which which reaction uh, image do we use? <laughs> like, right. We'll use the one of the monkey looking away. I like. I think this is a <laughs> solid meme. I think it, it communicates what we need to do. Look, no, I'm not backing down on this. Uh, I Denzel don't know. Washington being relieved is the right call <laughs> you can't just slap that on the announcement of the xbox reveal this doesn't make sense for the last time speaking of which holden hints writes in and asks what is your favorite twitter react gif um so hands down mine is like it's like from kingdom hearts and it's donald duck and he has a gun and he says delete this <laughs> I do. I, I think in general, I do like those randomly like edited ones where it's just like some innocuous image, but they just have that placeholder image of the guy holding the, the <laughs> handgun. And it's just it's always one of those things where it's just like, here's like, I don't know, Jigglypuff or Kirby or whatever. But they just happen to be holding a gun. Those are all those are like when I see a new one of those, it always uh, catches me off guard because it's like, just like, yeah, this I don't know how like this is the most versatile like image you could just put anywhere in someone's hand. Uh, those yeah. are very good. I like the. um. Let's see. The uh, let me in is always the classic that also is flexible for where you can use it. But I think this is cliche. I understand. But I am always tickled pink by the Obama reaction of him doing that like full confusion thing where he does like triple take to try to understand. And I want to know, does anybody know what that's from? What is he reacting to? It's perfect. I know your name. I don't even know which GIF you're talking about. Oh, really? Let's see. Uh, Obama, know your meme. This is the thing. <laughs> president yeah, Barack probably... Obama was the president from... <laughs> okay, so... I, you probably want to throw in a confused or something in there. Mm. Oh, hang on. It just talks about the birther controversy, Osama bin Laden's death, Obamacare. Okay. What is all this stuff? We, we got him. All right, look. I'll never be able to find it. 
Anna, I need to send this to you now. You yeah, <laughs> it's fine. Okay. We can, uh, I would probably recognize it, but it, again, I guess it's always the difficulty of like having to describe them. Yeah, that turns you, out it's a difficult thing when you especially have a show like Refreshed about online culture. I know, like, how do especially we when that's gift? like my job. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what about, do you know the, the Vince McMahon classic of him reacting and getting more and more excited? Mm. Also, Yeah, good. the one where he falls out of the chair eventually. It's the best. It's the best. Anyways, uh, any other favorites out there we haven't hit on? I don't really have a lot of favorites because I, I feel like all memes are a little bit of a cliche. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I like ones that I've like never seen before. And I'm like, what movie is that from? I've never seen Paul Rudd make that face before. You know, like that. Those are the kind of ones that I get excited about. Yeah. God, I watched. Um, last time Dan Reichert was in town <laughs> because we're cool adults and hanging out with uh you know, just a cool group of Dan and his wife, Bianca, and myself. And we watched the F- Brendan Fraser movie, Furry Vengeance, from like 2010, where it's Brendan Fraser fighting a bunch of animals that are taking over this building he's trying to build. And half of that movie is like crappy CGI animals going like, and like double takes. And I was thinking, Kyle, I think I'm going to rip that entire movie and just turn every animal reaction into a gif then just have one long tweet stream that's just every reaction from the animals in furry vengeance do you think that would do well that's very well i kind of tried to do that recently i I reread the akira manga in full recently and i took pictures through the whole course of like weird reactions and stuff and i had this huge list of like hey here's a bunch of pictures from the akira manga of various reactions you could use it was not didn't do that well. <laughs> Where it does really well content like that is TikTok. Like, um, I'm in like a specific anime fandom and they're like, here's a series of reaction images and like it just flips through them or like here are like my favorite gifts and they do really, really well on TikTok. So if All I right. just sign up for TikTok but only yeah, make Brendan Fraser TikTok. furry vengeance. <laughs> Yeah, uh, related just to do content. Just gifs, and then and then download the TikTok and then upload it to Twitter. Okay, all right, that seems doable. It's very simple. It's very simple. <laughs> and then screen cap it and post it to Reddit. Yes. yes. Said, who who made this? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> who did this? <laughs> Connor Rust writes in. He says, with the announcement of limited time exclusivity for Mario 3D All Stars, what implications do you think this holds for digital me- digital media going forward? We already don't technically own our digital games. Xbox Game Pass introduced the idea of a game where you own by subscribing to the service, leaving the library with little notice. Do you truly believe that 3D All-Stars will not be up for sale during holiday 2021? I believe not them. Not in traditional sense. I don't think you'll be able to go into Target and get a copy of it. Isn't that crazy? And digitally, you think they're holding to this? Because I would be skeptical, except they yeah. were so strict about the 3ds ambassador stuff and the fact that they never released those for sale on the 3ds eShop still yeah. blows my mind i mean whether it's a frustrating call but in terms of whether like absolutely it will get pulled down they're not going to backtrack on that it doesn't matter if it's the it already is one of the best-selling games of the year like yeah. just based on pre-orders and i mean for them i think it's more important to have the disney vault aspect of it you know like they, they had the Disney Vault. Don't but, drop in price. Like the the scarcity of it is is part of it. You know what I mean? Like they want to be able to resell Mario sixty four in a couple of years. And if you could just buy three D All Stars off the shop, then that eliminates yeah. that option. 
you know i could even i i could even go see them going as far as like well you can't get the the 3d all-stars bundle anymore but you can get each of these games individually for 30 dollars. maybe right yeah. god mario 64 for 30 dollars is gonna drive people insane but, but but they'll do it, it. they'll do it they'll do it like yeah yeah that's the embarrassing part that i'm totally a problem i'm part of the problem for sure i never let a I company have two copies of that are, game order to me you don't have control it. over how they price it what's that well no. oh i yeah. said i said no just that like it is hard like consumers will do it but like nintendo has yeah. never they don't you know open up a wide array of options or like you know, there's not much comp. There's no competition because they control it. So yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, Mac Dak writes in on Patreon. He says, with the announcement of the 3D Mario Collection and next year being Zelda's 35th anniversary, what three? Really? Uh, yeah. What three it's games? Zelda's 35th. Sorry. Yeah. No. It I, checks out. They're so close to each I other. It feels right? like the 25th anniversary was just yesterday. <laughs> you always look 17. <laughs> <laughs> what three games would you like to see in a similar connection collection for the Legend of Zelda? So I think we would be would be would we be sticking to 3D games? Well, here's the thing: Zelda know. One and Two and Link to the Past are all available on the Nintendo subscription service, right? So I think it would have to be 3D. I think it would have to be Ocarina Majora, and then maybe they maybe that's one box set, and then maybe uh, the HD versions of Wind Waker and Twilight Princess are a second mm. box. Of I'd play Wind Waker in a heartbeat again. Yeah. Well, Absolutely. I would I would pay sixty dollars for even Wind Waker, and yeah, they know also that. part of the problem. <laughs> it's weird both Wind Waker and Twilight Princess are on the Wii U, so I could even see them porting them as one bundle, and then the other bundle is oddly enough, uh, Ocarina, Majora's Mask, and Skyward Sword, because those are the three Do games. Do you think they'll ever re-release Skyward Sword? I th- Man, there are I rumors that they are, but I don't know if that's just people wanting it. But I know that Kyle, yeah. didn't you like talk to? Anuma about that? Uh, I think Shay was the last one to do that, actually. Okay. He talked to Anuma. But yeah, he basically said, like, I, I wouldn't expect it. I actually have this weird, long-running bet with my wife. Because she, like, she, we love Zelda, both big Zelda fans. But Skyward Sword marked a line for her where she didn't like it. She didn't want to play mm. it. She played it for an hour, and she was frustrated by the controls, understandably. Yeah. Mm. And, like, just didn't, never played, didn't even get to the first dungeon. And she was like, I really want to play without motion controls. And we have this long running bet where mostly because she just wants it to exist. She's like, it, it has to exist someday. And I'm like, I don't think it ever will. I don't think there will ever be a version of Skyward Sword where that you can play without motion controls. It is so important to that game, and especially when you think about yeah. the level of work it looks like Nintendo's willing to do for some of these ports and stuff based on 3D All-Stars or even like, you know, Wind Waker. I know they made tweaks, but they weren't exactly redesigning huge chunks of that game, game. it was yeah. relatively yeah. cheap for like the the, che- the tweaks they were making whereas skyward sword i think they'd be a huge overhaul yeah they'd have to redesign some of the puzzles that were based on the motion and like controls. and and just to, to be clear like i would like it to exist without motion controls i yeah. I, yeah. I like I, skyward no, sword i, I yeah. think it gets a, a bad rap to a certain degree i right. think yeah. like it takes a while but once you get the hang of those controls like i think they really do create a unique sort of fulfilling experience but like yeah if i don't know if it would fully work just mapping it to the right control stick i don't know and i wonder if they've ever even experimented with that you know i bet they have let's check out the leak i'm sure it'll tell us exactly what they've experimented with but hang on now that i'm thinking about it because with mario galaxy they have the cursor with the joy con 
Is there any they universe are, where they'd have that? They are implementing like a, a way, apparently, mm-hmm. I don't know how they're doing it, but you can play it without motion controls. But yeah. what do you think will actually happen for the Zelda 35th? I mean, I think the best thing, honestly, the best thing they can do, which I'm, don't, I'm not super optimistic about, yeah. is getting Ocarina of Time 3DS and Majora's Mask 3DS on Switch. God. I just... Just put those on there, you know. Like I don't, they don't need to remake them fully. Those that would be nice, but like they've remade them. It's on a limited platform. Just bring that to Switch, you know. Do you think? Oh, that would be so good. But they have been just knocking those Wii U ports out of the park with the Switch, mm-hmm. and the Wind Waker Twilight Princess stuff would be a slam dunk. Do you think mm-hmm. that they would do that all in one year? That seems like overkill, right? So which would they choose first? I think they would choose Twilight Princess Wind Waker first. Mm-hmm. I think it's easier. And if Breath of the Wild 2 is next year, they don't need to go overboard with Zelda. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, that that they could just say, hey, 35th anniversary, Breath of the Wild 2. Yeah, I mean, they could even yeah. go as far as to say, like, hey, just like we're adding the other one, like the Ocarina of Majora's Mask to the eShop for $30 or whatever. You see how the Mario yeah. thing does and just straight up do like a port every month or something and then have like the the wind waker father princess thing be more extensive yeah and then forget about four sorts of adventures but yeah i mean in terms of the base question i think it's among those four games majora's ocarina um twilight and wind waker yeah i don't think skyward swords in that conversation unfortunately i wish it were yeah Yeah. uh surreal since you're named after it um what do you think about the design of the xbox series s we didn't talk about it actually but Gut reaction. I think I want design. my copyright check if there if it's named after me. I need to talk to Mr. Spencer. Uh-huh. What do I think about the design? Yeah. I think it looks fine. I I think the at least I know that it has a decent fan, you know? It's <laughs> like I like very I like clear. seeing my machines at work. Uh so the idea of like I don't like maybe it's just overheating. It's like it's got this enormous fan. How how could it overheat? Um but I I did look at like the the specs and stuff and it does have me reconsidering like I was planning to get a, a graphics card, but like, I think they talked about like, hey, this is all you need for like 120 frames, um, you know, uh, 1440p gaming. Yeah. And I feel like that's the, that's more than why, like, that's exactly what I want. I, I don't know that I want necessarily a ton of like really powerful 4K stuff. Um, because like, I don't know, like, I, I guess I don't, I haven't seen like a huge thing for uh 4k like i haven't been i think hdr and like high refresh rates i think have been more impactful to how i view games than 4k especially since i do a lot of uh especially now that i'm uh planning to move on a bit but like i'm just doing all my gaming on like us on this monitor effectively um so it's like i don't see the benefits of 4k that much so i feel like yeah the xbox series s like the fact that this is next gen gaming just like the only difference being resolution yeah i think they made a really strong case for that series s in a way that i don't think like the the cheaper console has always felt like well you know if you're like if this is the one that you can maybe convince your parents to buy if you're a kid right to say like well there's this more expensive option but we can compromise and the parents can feel good about like okay I'm being a smart consumer right. whereas this feels like legitimately like no this is a solid option for actually a lot of the demographic for uh, game consoles right now yeah well that's a very smart take. Thank you for weighing in on that. I just realized that we hadn't talked about the look of the thing at all, which I kind of like it. Yeah, I don't think it's bad. I, I think, think more than PS5. It's certainly memeable, yeah. which is great for engagement. Oh my god, it's so good and memeable. Uh, Do you think like they think <laughs> about that now with hardware? Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh, it's I mean, memeable. Ship it. 
<laughs> the only concern it doesn't functionality does not matter fan memes ship uh luke strain so for, for gamers <laughs> submits a comment and uh patreon says i recently purchased the album black materia remastered from mega ran and have really enjoyed it i'm surprised that neither it nor the original album ever came up during the celebration of final fantasy 7 at least i didn't hear it come up um look this is an outrage at some point i remember grant chef for mint snacks played some music from mega ram but maybe it was just us hanging out and we didn't talk about it we didn't have enough time to really talk about final fantasy 7 so um we ran out of time and didn't get to mega ram but uh luke strand is wondering if y'all have any favorite fan-made video game music yeah, I, I have a I have a lot. There was one actually that I, uh, I put down like I I like when you gave us the the questions I would potentially discuss. I actually like earmarked this YouTube video uh-huh. so I could remember the um the name of the band. It's it, and it it's funny because it's for it's a cover of a a song from uh, Secret of Monkey Island, right? Which is honestly not a game that like I really you know, think of the soundtrack a lot, but yeah. like the cover is just incredible. And it's from, uh, that song is called voodoo roots and grog. Um, by, uh, why can't I pull it up? Um, Dicky Dicky Diz. And it's like, I don't know. It's just this amazing song that like, maybe we can, I don't know if you want to link it in the show notes or something, but like something has been playing sporadically. Kyle, oh, this is it. <laughs> pull it up. I had it. I was pulling it up to get the name, so like I, that's why I thought it. That's what it, I thought it was. Stop talking! This is the intermission music. Kyle, you walked down the aisle. Tune section. Right? It's amazing. Huh. This is this is it for you, Kyle. <laughs> this is it. Yeah. Good drums. It's it's one of those things that, like, you want to listen to the whole thing because it really gets crazy. Right, right. Hey, I hear you. Um, Just but yeah, there's the a whole chip tune section. It, I mean, honestly, it really builds. That's why I like it so much because it starts with just drums, adds in trumpets, it gets getting bigger and bigger, and then it like drops into this chip tune version of the song for a second, and then it goes back to like the big orchestrated version. It's, yeah, I love it, and I don't even. I mean, it's not an. I I, I like the Secret of Monkey Island soundtrack. It's yeah, a good yeah. soundtrack, but like that one specific song, I I like more than the like the whole soundtrack of Monkey Island. Yeah, but Kyle, so, have you ever heard Mega Rand's? song about avalanche i i'm not i don't sure no i haven't i don't know then listen to this (laughs) hang on we beat them insurgents not a bit nervous encourage got a bit further to go but any means getting rid of our enemies it's surprisingly catchy this entire album is very good there's a part where bear raps later on can i <laughs> can i send you one to play briefly yes okay in hang Discord? on have, after, you heard, have you seen after, this one? Oh, hang on i'll get to it can you send it to me in slack yeah okay here's the hot part with barrett <laughs> Well, there's 
some Final Fantasy VII spoilers in there. For, uh, pay no attention to the lyrics for Avalanche. Okay, what did you send me, Doko? This is a mashup. Oh, oh yeah, I was I was gonna. This was was mine. Was the, the that entire oh, really? album? That the, yeah, uh, Ocarina of Rhyme. Uh, I think is probably like my favorite thing of like fan made music. Yeah, uh, it's, so it's good. like a bunch of songs from Ocarina, and yeah, so they they'll mash up like the one that Kyle sent you was Busta Rhymes with the uh, Carudo Valley. Uh, there's one, uh, No Jumper Cables, which is an Aesop Rock song with like the Goron Village. Um, I think there's one that's just like uh, Dr. Dre and Snoop with like the getting treasure sound that they just oh, make a whole weird. song out of, which is really good. Uh, yeah, that entire that entire album is, is really good. Okay, waiting for so the send them the right one to get to through. Surreal. Okay. Yeah, I think that's probably do. that's probably the best one. I also like. I, I think I ended up liking the this cover of No Jumper or the smash up of No Jumper Cables better than the actual song. Ocarina of Rhyme. It's just the yeah, entire. Good, good album. luck uh, scanning that section of it to see if he actually ended up cursing or something. <laughs> Who can tell? Uh, and then, of course, there's this classic, which is the mashup of uh, Snoop Dogg and Kirby, which I think we all, mm-hmm. uh, we oh, all know. Oh, so good. Oh, yeah. 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 My wife and I pulled this on the phone. When the pins in the crib, mom, drop it like it's hot. Drop it like it's hot. When talking about mom, I was just like at house party and someone plays this. Oh, and you just immediately got to the dance floor in the house party, which was the kitchen table? Yeah, yeah. And I was That's like, a good oh. house party. Yeah. <laughs> you need to buy that house. Okay, hang on. Gotta wait for the shift here. Oh, no! Hang on. I'm a nice dude. It's a nice dream. See these ice cubes. See these ice creams. Eligible bachelor. Million dollar bow. That's a white. We can skip that part. Uh, <laughs> great. Uh, yes, we like fan music. The end. Uh, yeah, it turned into more of a mashup segment, but still great. <laughs> yeah, but it turns out, yeah. yeah. I started going down a Mega Ran rabbit hole, and he also had this song over the Splash Woman stage for Mega Man 9, which I knew people liked Mega Man 9, but I'd never really given it that much attention. And then Splash Woman's music in Mega Man 9 is amazing. Like, I had never given it the credit that it's due. Anyways, okay, um, Jonathan Fenn writes in, it says a lot of gaming podcasts get asked what their desert island game would be, the one game they would want to play for the rest of their life. I want to know if you had just one year, sorry, one hour of gaming left, what game would you pick? Not something that you that would last you for years, but a great condensed gaming experience. You can play it all at once or space it out if you like. One hour of gaming left in your life, what do you do? Man. I don't, these kind of questions bum me out, honestly. <laughs> but I mean, I maybe Breath of the Wild just because it like makes me so happy and you can get, you know, into the core of that game pretty quickly, even if you start from the beginning. You know, it doesn't take long really to be exploring and looking around and just finding things. It's not going to take a time to get off that maybe, plateau. You have to skip all the cutscenes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But maybe, maybe Ocarina of Time just for pure nostalgia. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess that'd be the but, ultimate yeah, experience. Just my favorite game. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I guess I being dropped into it, full nostalgia, and just play like the first hour of 
Pokemon Silver. Mm-hmm. Just because, like, it would make me, yeah, again, it would make me happy. Ooh, you go first hour over, like, Elite Four? Yeah, yeah, just because, like, the, like, town music is just so evocative for me. Yeah, well, that's perfect. Uh, Stephen Toth, so it's a comment on Patreon, it says, streaming new releases at home like Milan. Is this the new normal or just something to tide us over until we can go back to movie theaters? Have we hit the new normal, everybody? I think movie companies definitely do not want it to be the new normal because you see how much how much a tenant fought to be released in theaters and how much of a controversy that was. It definitely feels like if they still had a choice, all the companies would be releasing their movies in theaters. So I don't think that this will have any... I think there will be a lot more desire um, from people for them to be on streaming because it seems like, oh yeah, it's so easily possible. Why wouldn't you? But mm-hmm. companies definitely want you to go out to a movie theater uh, yeah. still I, at this point. Well, I, I don't think it's even... The, it's it's the movie theaters once you go out to theaters like the thing for me was like i i like this i'm a fan of this like when trolls 2 came out you know at the early start of the pandemic yeah and we watched it as a family it was like my daughter's most anticipated movie of the year i was like this is great this works fine they reported they made a bajillion dollars and it's like all right great this rest of the summer is set all these kids movies that i was looking forward to we'll be able to watch it at home we're gonna be fine but then it was amc who was like nah we will not show your movies if you keep putting them online, we, we will completely boycott you. Yeah. And they pressured the distribution companies into not doing it anymore. So even though it is by the numbers, a profitable, profitable, profitable endeavor. And like, it's good for the consumer because it gives you more options to watch it. They were just too scared by theaters, potentially boycotting entire film distribution companies that like, it's just yeah. it's just not how it's going to be, which is sucks. Like I I I think it's it's nice to have the option to watch at home. I love going to the movies and watching movies in the theater. But yeah, like yeah. I, it was the theater companies just basically saying we don't want this to happen, and we're going to make a big stink about it if it does. You know. Yeah, it's kind of surprising how much sway those uh, the movie theater chains still have, right? Because it feels like ten years ago, if you were to tell ask like tell me that they would still have this much sway, I'd be pretty skeptical but it seems like there's still enough money in movie in releasing a movie in theaters that companies like if the movie company if the theaters want people to play ball the companies are are going to still yeah i'm really curious to see um like upcoming holiday season how stuff shakes out like with dune coming out right i feel like that's gonna be a huge release like i i would love to see that in like a digital release like what matters to me is that like I'm with my family and we watch those movies like together. It's like not like going to the movie theaters is great. Like that used to be like a tradition of ours, but like whatever, you know, like I'd rather not risk it. And so I'm curious to see like where that lands. Cause it's like the first major, I feel like it's the first major movie to come out during the pandemic other than I guess Mulan or like um, tenant. Yeah. Which is yeah. out now, Kyle, I, <laughs> what is happening with that so, is, yeah. It's out, um, but I mean, my thing is like I just keep looking. I'm willing to make a decent drive to go see that in a drive-through. Yeah, mm. and like I haven't found anything close who's showing in a drive-through. But there's there's theaters in Minnesota right now where you can go see Tenet. And but it's I'm, the world's it, biggest Christopher as much Nolan as it fan. Breaks my heart to know that Tenet is showing on a screen somewhere near me because I desperately want to see it. I'm not ready to go back to the theater yet. I'm just not. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, Warner Brothers announced that they're delaying uh, Wonder Woman 84 to December, which feels. Uh, ambitious. Well, yeah, even so that Dune was supposed to come out December 18th, but I think on the new trailer, they don't even put a date. Oh, it, I thought they still kept, maybe that was old information. 
Well, maybe maybe they're sticking with it, but just maybe in the trailer they didn't want to hit it. I'm not sure. But um, yeah, it's interesting seeing how they're billing it because everything's just all lines are being blurred. So it's interesting seeing like the trailer for the Batman where they're making it very clear, like exclusively in theaters. Please check this out there. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Let's see at the end of the Dune trailer. There. Oh boy, never mind. This is a whole big thing. Forget that. Um, but yeah, it's so crazy to see stuff like New Mutants, Disney finally releasing that after so many years, and then it's like, and it made $14 at the box office, and goodbye X-Men from Fox. Now it's a whole new generation ready to go. It's that gross part of thinking, like, God, are some people at Marvel kind of happy that that old legacy X-Men content can kind of be sent out to die so we can move on with the franchise? Uh-huh. It's a weird one. Uh, Rory Sublet submits a comment on Patreon and says, Greetings, Min Max. Kyle, this is going back. Uh, Rory says, help settle a debate. And this is a debate that goes back to Loveline. This is a debate that goes back to early days of 1UP FM, the old podcast. Mm. Which, yeah, your boy Adam Carolla is out there saying some smart uh, stuff. Not my boy, not my boy. Not associated <laughs> with him. Uh, I didn't help, about my boy. Help settle a debate. Which is the superior dessert, pie or cake? Paul F. Tompkins settled this a long time ago. It's oh. cake. What? How yeah, did he settle there, it? There's a great he does there's a whole bit he does on cake versus pie with the whole premise being when you donate canned food there's always pie filling there's never cake frosting because you're going to eat all the cake frosting like you're not going to let that go bad. <laughs> mm, I don't think that stands. I think pie Look, filling is He does is it a lot better nutritious. than me. I would suggest looking it Look, up. Look, a Paula comedian Hopkins can make a point, but that's so different from actually getting to the core of it, which is, yeah, clearly pie is better. There's no way that an no, apple pie is better than a cake, or is not better than a cake. No, you, no, you, got, your no! Words, you got your words confused. Am on, am I Especially on when you bring in the fact that like there's ice cream cakes. Ice cream cakes are yeah. cake. That cheesecake, yeah. is that a pie or a cake? Cheesecake? It's a cake. Yeah. It's a. It's kind of. It has a crust though. Pretty I think pie, pie requires fruit though, like as a as mm. a main ingredient, right? Well, mm. French silk pie. No, yeah, French silk, yeah. That's uh, which that's is a, a superior form of pie. Yeah, Anna, where are you at on this debate? If you had I, to generalize, I cake. I meant cake. Like a tres leches cake is incredible. Oh like, yeah, tres leches is good. But I'm trying to think of best cake. I carrot cake. Mm. A good carrot cake is actually really good too. There's no doubt, Absolutely. but even what I would consider the best cake, which is a Dairy Queen ice cream cake, you put that next to a fresh piece of apple pie with ice cream on top. Hang on. You're shaking. Everyone's shaking their heads on <laughs> apple pie a la mode? I, it's not bad. I just prefer, I, I think if both of those are placed in front of me, I'm probably going to go for the, the ice cream cake because that'll disappear people uh, more. Uh, that'll disappear more quickly because everyone's going to go for that. Okay. Okay. Well, that's top of the. Okay. Forget the ice cream cake. Let's go. It's beautiful apple pie a la mode versus just vanilla sheet cake. Like crappy. That's, you can't. That's I not think, a fair debate. No, yeah. Kyle. This is the situation. The, you have to choose between these. Like the best version of pie versus the. Rory Sublet says these are your options, Kyle. Take them or leave them. <laughs> it's cake. It's it's cake for me. It's personal. There's no right answer. It's but my answer is cake. Wow. Okay. Uh, here's another personal question for you, Kyle. Sean Jeezy, do it easy. Says, do you think Square Enix will update the cover to Marvel Avengers once all the heroes release? Oh, and like on the digital storefront? Yeah, or even like the box copy. Wouldn't that be fun? 
I, well, I mean, if they yeah, end up doing like a year edition, yeah. yeah, if they end up doing that, then that's probably there. It is. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, that's not sure. Yeah, I think that's the answer. That so, was a very personal question. I'm surprised you what, brought it up. What here, but. is do they do? See, my guess is that I think Spider-Man by this time next year will be on all the other platforms. Mm-mm. I doubt it. I, I think that exclusivity period is like six months. I think he releases like next March and he's like around this time next year. I think he'll be on all platforms and you see him on that box. Okay. I would say you're wrong. Would you like to put money on it? Uh, no. All right. There we go. I'm, I'm trying to save money right now uh, <laughs> for, for video cards and new consoles. I need that speaker box thing that the Microsoft is putting out. <laughs> By the way, uh, Backstage Pass is divided on pie versus cake. Uh, and actually, I didn't think this was possible, but they're at war with each other. There is actually blood Uh-oh. seeping from the chat room. Oh, that's that's red velvet and cherry pie. That's oh, funny. I see. Sweet cherry pie. Um, they've, all, they've all just decided to start eating their, their preference and everyone's happy. Perfect. Turns out you don't have to argue about it. You can just have the one you want. Oh, God. <laughs> I guess sincerely, Eric is getting to the core of it. He says, it's that time of year again. And I'm curious, as a simple question, are you all a pumpkin spice bunch? Yeah. I, I don't understand that thing. I think pumpkin is delicious. Pumpkin pie, yeah. arguably, one of the best things you can put in your mouth. Uh, and so I'm, I'm fully on board with all pumpkin variants of everything. Bring it on. It's a fun thing. That's optional, everybody. <laughs> no one's forcing <laughs> pumpkin spice on you. It'll be fine. Uh, Nick, but anybody else? Pumpkin spice? We're all slightly yay? Yeah, it's good. All right. See, it's a fun flavor. Like I'm glad that it's seasonal because I don't like I wouldn't have it all the time. But I'm glad it's around during like the fall. It's nice to see. I, our old I like seasonal flavored yeah. things. I don't yeah. know. It's like I'm a fan of it. Yeah, I mean, and like in the look in Dairy Queen in the summer they have the s'mores, and then now that it's fall they have the Snickerdoodle cookie dough. It's perfect. It's science. Yeah. Nick Fontaine spits a comment. Says, "How do you do? Uh, have you ever been slapped in the face with nostalgia?" That happened to me recently when the hotly awaited Tony Hawk remake released last week. I must have spent thousands of hours playing the first two games growing up. Did anyone else play Tony Hawk 2 on the N64 besides me? I think a lot of people did. Um, Whenever I hear people reminisce about it, it was always on the PlayStation. Anyway, I'd love to hear about a time you were slapped in the face with nostalgia, whether it be a video game, TV show, movie, what have you. Love the show. Keep up the good work. I hear Ben Hansen will read anything. Serenity now! Nick writes. I don't know. Um, so slapped in the face a good thing or a bad thing? I think a good thing. Just like that overwhelming, oh my God, that's right, these things. I mean, it happens all the time with remakes. I was actually going like a like a negative direction. And like I put thousands of hours into GoldenEye on N64. But the most recent time I've gone back and played it, I've been like, oh, God, this is borderline unplayable. Like, you know. But, the trick uh, is I that mean, the trick is that you just don't stop playing it, and so it's just it's a gradual mm, aging. So every time I pick up that N sixty four, and you're like, oh, this is a modern game, and yeah, then exactly. every other game looks good by comparison. Yeah, it's no, right I actually, next uh, I think I had this with uh, Sonic Adventure two when it came out on Steam. I was like, oh, what? Like I played the crap out of this game when it, when I was a kid, and then I played it. I played like three levels, checked it on my child garden, which was barren again because I didn't have a save, you know. So I was just like, <laughs> oh, okay, I'm. I think I'm good, actually. I don't. I don't think I need to play all of these levels as much as I did back then because it was the only game that I had for a year or whatever. Yeah. I also replayed that on Steam, and I played through the whole Heroes campaign. And I, the first song is like so, yeah, so nostalgic because it's so ridiculous too. Mm-hmm. Like 
Also, speaking of song remakes, there's like some really fun ones of that being like completely resung. Um, if y'all are interested at any point, you should go look them up. <laughs> What's it also, that soundtrack for Sonic Adventure 2, I think, is good. But it's like, I think my favorite ones are the Knuckles levels. But the, the problem is, though, the rap... rap. See, that's the thing. Is it oh, like, <laughs> I think that's the only good one though. Like the, that's yeah. the only one where the rapping yeah. is good. The rest of those are, I think the rapping is bad, but the, like the actual songs that he's rapping over are actually really good. Mm. So it's like this mixed, like I'm, I want to keep listening to this, but just remove the part where the guy's rapping. Just get somebody good. better on top of it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just get Buster Rhymes to do it again. Yeah. <laughs> Please. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Nick Fontaine for slapping the fish of nostalgia. Um, a couple weeks ago, I played an old board game that I had out of my parents' place, which was Lego Time Cruisers, the board game. I don't know if you remember the Time Cruisers. It was like a mid-90s set where you would travel. It's basically they just took like a bunch of random pieces from other Lego sets and threw it together and said, it's a time travel set. There's a wacky doctor and a skeleton and you travel through time. But playing the board game, they had an old Lego pamphlet and I was looking through it and I forgot how much my childhood was spent. I, I probably 35% of my childhood looking at like Lego booklets, not the instructions, but like what you could buy and the other sets out there and the ones where they had little bubbles where the Legos were like talking to each other and stuff. And so looking through that Lego time cruisers pamphlet, I was just hit with like, Oh my God, aqua zone. Of course, like the entire Lego underwater thing where they had the submarine with like the grabby arms for grabbing the minerals or like this. I had that one. Yeah, of course they're the best, literally the best. Uh, and then there's the other one where it's like, what a weird theme that was so important to me was Ice Planet, another 90s Lego thing. Do you remember this? Where it was like sci-fi ice miners and they had the glowing orange chainsaw. Hang on. It, are the Lego Ice Planet guys calling you right now? Uh, no, I dropped something on a piece of metal. So I'm playing. <laughs> oh, I thought it was your phone going up. <laughs> no, I, I don't. That one I... I, I, the underwater one I remember distinctly, but not the the ice planet. Okay, one. are you thinking of Lost Planet? No, but maybe it was inspired. <laughs> it, no, it's such a weird because that does theme. have a lot of glowing orange on an ice planet. <laughs> I'm sure they were heavily inspired by Lego Ice Planet. People in the comments okay. know Lego yeah. Ice Planet, all right. Speaking of which, did you see how, uh, like a uh, Vice uh, reported story? Yeah, they was talking about yes. like oh, a hardcore Lego fan spent six years making a Bionicle fan game, and I guess one of the things out of it was that like. In the 90s, Lego was saved by Bionicle. That, oh, that really? was like the thing that ended up making like a bunch of money for them because it was wildly successful at a time where they weren't doing so well. Because it was like before their Star Wars licenses and stuff? I guess so. I'm not yeah. like super keyed into the, well, the Lego history. But. There's the Netflix um, Toys That Made Us show that has a good episode about Lego and mm. talks about the weird importance of Bionicle. Yeah. Oh, weird. And then yeah. do they own Connects too or do they purchase Connects? Do you guys know Connects? Mm, I think those oh. are separate. It's like yeah. a similar thing, yeah. Yeah. What was the other one? Megablocks? That's like a competing company. That's right? separate. That's yeah. the one that had the Halo uh, game. And the big computer competition is a uh, computer. <laughs> is, uh, <laughs> computer. Playmobil, like the high-end like Legos. That's how I understood awesome. it. Like Playmobil was bougie Legos. Yeah. I love on the Blank Check podcast, Kyle, how obsessed with the Playmobil movie uh, <laughs> Griffin Newman is. <laughs> yeah. Well, quick aside oh, I, no. I, that movie is fascinating because like i was gonna go see it i was <laughs> yeah. gonna go see it in theaters 
because it's like, yeah, interesting looking kids movie. Let's go. But then it just like it never came out, even though it had a release date. And then there was like it was only out for a week. And it was like this weird thing. I was I was actively tracking. I was like, when can I take my kid to go see this? Yeah. And it was like never in theaters. And then there was an episode of Blank Check where they went super in depth about what happened to that movie. Right. And like it was amazing. And I actually tweeted at them like to thank them. <laughs> and our boy Griffy Nooms retweeted me, which was very oh, nice. Oh, that's very nice. Friend of the show. So, but yeah, I was I, I was one of the few people who was like actively trying to solve that mystery and bl- the Blank Check podcast solved it for me. <laughs> it's so weird. Uh, by the way, the movie, which is available to stream online, not very good. Don't, don't, don't do it, you guys. <laughs> Uh, Sam Morrison says good day Ben and friends recently I've been playing Ghost of Tsushima and while I've been enjoying the aesthetic and overall presentation there are little to no consequences for playing poorly dying costs no resources no lives and with short load times I find myself being more careless while playing do more games need to implement some sort of punishment for dying or sloppy play like Dark Souls or is this type of game design antiquated it depends on the game I think Dark Souls benefits from it I think Ghost of Tsushima also benefits from not punishing you you know i think it just depends on the sort of what they're going for in terms of tone and how they want you to feel while you're playing yeah i think like the worst places to die in games i think is often when it's when they're trying to basically do an interactive set piece where it's like oh everything's falling around you and you have to jump through all these things and then you just like just automatically do those jumps for me there's no benefit to me actually like having to figure out like okay i need to make sure i judge this jump just like basically make them like hidden quick time events where it's just like yeah you'll 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 get through this just press like a button at any point during this section and you'll jump through all the gaps Mm -hmm. because it's like the second time you're running through that falling building it's not impressive anymore but outside of that it just yeah like cal said it depends on the game depends on the game yeah i think of the industry shifting away from consequences more and more as even the evolution of mario because I remember playing 3D World and being like, why is there a game over screen? And then it was so nice that with Odyssey, they got rid of the game over screen and like lives in Odyssey. And it's like, yeah, this is objectively better this way. You take the Rayman approach. Because I remember, yeah, Legends and 3D World came out in the same year. And it was a thing of playing those side by side. It was like, yeah, the whole idea of lives in a game over system, it's just, it's not necessary anymore for the way I play. Mm-hmm. But Sam yeah. wants to feel the consequences. So maybe he's on the other side of the coin. Yeah, And like on the opposite spectrum, there's things like roguelikes where, you know, death is like, a core mechanic right, right? Mm-hmm, you can't, you mm-hmm. can't mo- remove that stuff or even something like difficult platforms like super meat boy i think a lot of the pleasure people get out of those is just like the fact that you were able to overcome something that took you a really long time and death is like basically your like your measurement of like how many times did i die before i got this is gonna mm-hmm. is like the the risk reward of like i spent an hour on this level but i finally got through it so i feel really good about it yeah absolutely uh, Mason Cowell writes in says good day maxers simple question what is your favorite spot in an open world game Mine is a little area in Breath of the Wild in the northeast corner of the map. There is a valley full of trees that are perpetually fall-colored. A beautiful mm. and mostly peaceful spot. If you can avoid the Lionel that also lives there. What about you all? Favorite spot in an open-world game? It's a good question. Yeah. I mean, an open-world... I don't return in freak, like I don't just like jump into an open-world game very often to be like, yeah. oh, let me revisit that spot. But I have been doing it with Spider-Man where I'll just go and web swing for a while. Oh, interesting. And I like have, and I'll go to the tallest building and just jump off. So like, mm-hmm. that is something I do purely just for the fun of it. You know, yeah. if I'm just like, Oh, something's downloading, you know what? I'll play Spider-Man a little bit. So, so your answer is the answer, tallest, the tallest point. building in yeah. Spider-Man. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Similarly in breath in the wild, I like going to 
the stables like sort of in the south and there's like a plain slash like you can just like ride your horse around this like very nice like set path and it's like very relaxing and calm and like yeah if i'm in the mood where i'm like oh i want to play a game but i want to do something that's kind of like it's kind of like comfort food you know right just go and do a loop there <laughs> cool loop yeah i'm trying to think i was thinking about like going through history of open world games and i loved the airport in the desert in san andreas in gta like the one that's outside of las venturas where i just remember messing around so much with like the jetpack out there landing weird planes out there it's just this quiet cool spot in the middle of the desert out there that i always loved please spread my ashes there uh matt robinson redson says hello i'll have a game i have a game for you the following are all pop brands but some are from video games and some are just generic knockoffs of real life pops your job is to guess like which soda. Yeah, yeah. So like pop, pop like soda, not as in like pop songs. Yeah. 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 yeah pop everybody. For the non-Minnesota's soda. Yeah. Ironically. Uh, your job <laughs> is to guess uh, which is which extra points. If you can name the game that it's from. Uh, af- also, after watching last week's episode, I changed it from soda to pop as to not confuse you, Ben. Thank you. I'm not familiar <laughs> with your soda. Uh, okay. Kyle. Fatty cream soda. Is that from a game or is that just a knockoff pop or soda? Uh, it's a knockoff Coke. I'm sorry. That is from a game that is State of Decay's soda. It's called Fatty Cream Soda. Uh, Anna, uh. Dr. Bob. Um, that's a real knockoff soda. That's a real knockoff soda. Cereal, Robocola. That's fake. Fake meaning... It's not. It's from a game. And what game do you think it's from? Uh, I, I, uh, uh, Metal Wolf Chaos. No, of <laughs> course not, you fool. It's Doom Three's <laughs> fake soda. Oh yeah, I've, yeah. How dare I not know the the name of the fake soda from Doom Three? <laughs> Get off this podcast, you fake ass gamer boy. Uh, Kyle Jess Morissette would be very upset with you right now, Serial. He's the guy that tracks all the vending machines in video games. Um, oh, of course. Oh, so- amazing project (laughs) (laughs) uh kyle i sent him one and he never replied to me recently i was very upset i'm sorry your life's hard fizz right i think that's from a video game oh but uh i'm gonna guess metal wolf chaos (laughs) it's from gone home that's the gone home soda um anna m budget cola (laughs) i think that that is also a real fake soda that is a wait it's a, it's in real life it's a knockoff soda it's, it's a knockoff soda a real fake soda yes exactly <laughs> i think it's going stick to real or fake right like real real it's, a, it's an actual yeah. that exists yes yes or fake. can i buy yeah. a store yeah okay real knockoff. uh cereal cola kong i'm gonna say that's fake that's from rage kyle orang otang I think, oh man, this is tough. I, I, I'm going to say that it's from a video game. I'm going to say Donkey Kong Country 64. Oh no, it is GTA 4 and 5. I'm sorry. You, you guys are actually both wrong because I'm making it a real brand now. I'm typing in the LLC framework. Oh no, 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 no. He's doing it. He's doing it right now. Because that's a good uh, name for a soda. Uh, yeah. Anna, Mountain Yellow. Oh, okay. Um, It's in a video game. That is a real knockoff pop. 
Uh, surreal. Bonk. Bonk. Uh, uh, that's uh, that's fake, and that's from Team Fortress. Yeah, surreal, killing it. Nice. I'm very impressed. You know that. Congratulations. I played. I played Team Fortress Two. There we go. No one has ever talked about Team Fortress Two on the Game Informer show or the MinMax show. So. Would you like to take I tried a to when everyone was losing their minds over Overwatch, but no one would let me. Did you play a lot of Team <laughs> you, Fortress You were hopping on the Team Fortress 2 servers? Well, I was like, like guys, this isn't that innovative. It's just Team Fortress 2. Serial, <laughs> uh, how much did you play? I played like 70. Well, I split my time between like the console version at launch, and then oh, I realized weird. that wasn't going to get any support, and then I switched to the PC version, uh, and I played a few, like, I'm, I think I have like 70 hours in it, which is more than I've played Overwatch, honestly. But yeah. Uh, I played mostly the scout and the heavy. All right. Well, let's let's all get back into Team Fortress 2 at some point. Um, okay, great. What do you all like for question of the week? I kind of like the Zelda anniversary one. Mm. I like that one. I like the music one. I do like the music. Oh, yeah, music Why do you guys good. all crapped all over my song without it, giving it a chance? It's not your fault, Kyle. Kyle. It's I just the worst song I've ever heard in my life. The record would show. <laughs> uh, do you guys want to go with music? Yeah. yeah, I like music. Okay, yeah. great. Congratulations to Luke Strain. You get the Owlboy plushie from I'm 8-Bit. Thank you for everybody that submits a comment or question for us to read on the show to help make the show better at patreon.com slash max 2 ends. All right, now it's time for something called Get a Load of This. Kyle, wow us. Wow us with your factoid. Well, I'm going to do something a little bit different. I've tried this once before when we were still meeting in a set. Uh, but I have a... a uh, let's see if I don't know if this will work in video, but I have a, a new fidget spinner that I wanted to share. Uh huh. Okay. So I feel like a trend right spinner here. now. Wait, what? That doesn't have a center. That's not a. Well, hold on. So it's like a fidget spinner. You can spin it around. Yeah. Okay. But then, oh, cool. boop! It's magnetic. What? So separated so the three parts. parts. Well, that's just three you can, like Make different, <laughs> different things, and that's actually cool. It's cool. Yeah. yeah. And, and if so I wanted to purchase just, this. How, can you, how hard can uh, you I can, spin it I'll before it separates it because you're spinning it so fast because oh, you're so extreme? I'll, I'll try that. It's can you just, break so your I, set to find out? I, <laughs> well, I can't really break. They break apart on purpose. I, there was this website that I got it from called Doxo, but the whole pitch of Doxo is they only sell like one thing at a time. <laughs> so like it's no longer available on that site. <laughs> oh, but boy. if you just search like magic magnetic finger rings on Amazon, like you'll you'll find them. Um, but I'm always I like like fidgety yeah. toys and desk that seems toys great. and stuff. So I'm that always like great. looking for those. So we'll have an Amazon link in there. But yeah, it's you, it's it's really it's weird. It's cool though. I like it. Love it, Anna. Um. So this week, get a load of this. Oof. Um. <laughs> Eric Trump accidentally tweeted out like a screenshot of anime. What? Of uh, <laughs> Psycho 100, which is the same makers of One Punch Man. If you're familiar with that. Um, and so like mod started trending and so like the, their account had all these like funny reactions to, to it. Um, and suddenly just like had all this attention. The show is not even like airing anymore. Like they haven't been re-upped for another season. Um, if you might be familiar with the character, cause who is it? The, the games person, Nibel his his icon is is mob so he's like oh, a pretty iconic okay. character um but i just thought that that was like the funniest thing was like wow, to have think. this like 3 year old anime trending on twitter <laughs> because eric trump uh tweeted tweeted about he it he loves hunting it just like, and uh, like a screenshot animals. out of context 
Okay, so <laughs> it's it was like he apparently that's what came up when he Google searched mob. Mm. Uh, <laughs> and so like he took like a screenshot of it and was like, what is this? Um, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Perfect. Serial? Uh, uh, yeah, speaking of Team Fortress 2, uh, I saw a headline <laughs> that, that said, uh, Team Fortress 2 players have created Terminators to hunt down cheaters. What? Uh, so in recent years, uh, I guess Team Fortress 2 has become so inundated with like uh, basically bots that are just like aim bots that will immediately, like they're basically computer players who will immediately like, you know, build, uh, play as a sniper, right? And immediately gun down anyone they see like immediately, like with a headshot. And so that's been so rampant that I guess people have started making uh, their own bots that are countering those bots. So those bots are built specifically to defeat only the bot players. Uh, so there's, I guess, apparently, according to, to like a tweet that someone made about it, uh, they're cheaters, but scripted specially to kill other cheaters in the game. They won't kill you. If you see one of them, don't kick them. They're friendly with real players. They will help you. So Do you know they, how to identify them? I don't know. Could, like, well, okay, so the, the anti-bots, are the, they're just called like bot extermination services. So apparently you can just figure out how to like either, I don't know if you buy them or if you just download them to throw them into your server. And so they're, they're acting as like counterweights to bots that are killing people. So then, so like at some point, like the natural conclusion of this is just like, there's just servers of bots against bots and that's all Team Fortress 2. It's just like this <laughs> basically Terminators it. fighting each other endlessly in servers with no humans in them is what I imagine this is going to end up being. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, it's just be- like Team Fortress 2 is now basically the, the, the first front in the eventual AI war that is going to destroy the world. Hang on. Sir, did you pivot or how excited were you when I detoured to talk about Team Fortress 2 right before your Team Fortress 2? <laughs> Get a load of this. Uh, I made no of it. I was like, oh, this will come up later. <laughs> <laughs> That's so weird. Um, yeah. Hey, get a load of this. I love it. It's such a specific thing, but GameSpot tweeted out. I don't know if they're taking this from Activision or where it came from, but apparently they recreated the warehouse from Tony Hawk 1 and Tony Hawk skated in it. And they have like this tweet <laughs> showing footage of Tony Hawk actually skating in the warehouse, which was very exciting at first. Then you realize they don't have like the big ramps for like the entryways and stuff. It's basically just a warehouse where they put some uh, pieces of wood over like a taxi cab and stuff, but still Mm -hmm. really fun and cool to see them try and recreate that layout. I'm a sucker for that kind of thing. I'm still waiting for an office building to recreate facility from GoldenEye one-to-one at some (laughs) point. I think it's a great layout for an office. Not a good place to use the bathroom. Paintball match. Yeah, oh, it'd be so much fun. Um, but in the Discord, which you get access to if you support us at any tier on Patreon, uh, there's a channel dedicated to get a load of this. And Hugo submitted one that also John Carson, friend of the show, also was uh, messaging us about that apparently people have hacked uh, a new way to play Doom and it is a uh, pregnancy test. People have now <laughs> hacked a way that, to play yeah. Doom on a pregnancy test. And it yeah. is... It's like a it's like a digital pregnancy test where the 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 reader is like a little LED screen, you know. Yeah, so and it's just like a few pixels, but you can make out that it is kind of Doom happening on this test. Which, by the way, what is like the easy mode called in Doom? Isn't it like congratulations, I'm a boy or something? Baby Isn't it like feed me mama? There's some like baby theme there that I'm sure somebody smarter than me has made connections yeah. with. Uh, thanks everybody for submitting great questions and comments and for jumping into the discord and submitting some stuff there. Um, also buried deep in the show 
for the hardcore fans only, we are giving away another Satisfy Switch Grip bundle. Actually, we're giving away two of them. So this is a, a an unbelievably comfortable grip i will not pull my switch handheld without it that you slide your switch into from a company called satisfy s-a-t-i-s-f-y-e the switch grip bundle and you could win one because we're going to give away two randomly so if you just tweet out your favorite minmax content with the hashtag games friends getting better all one word include that hashtag we'll randomly choose uh, two winners, and uh, we'll ship out these amazing Satisfy Switch Grip bundles. So thanks for your support, and thanks for the help spreading the word about MinMax. We appreciate it. Does anybody have any wise parting words? Uh, the difficult, the lowest difficulty in the original Doom is called uh, "I'm Too Young to Die," and in the score, in the source code, it's identified as SK underscore Baby. Hey, there we go. My new username. <laughs> 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 That's perfect. Uh, thank you for being here, Anna. Um, anything you'd like to plug coming up? Um, so we have Refresh coming out next week, live at 6 p.m. Central Time Thursday on the MinMax uh, Twitch. So follow MinMax there. Um, besides that, nothing for now. That's totally fine. Kyle, Suriel, anything you'd like to plug? Uh, please get registered to vote. Please figure that okay. out. Interesting. Seriously. Like, yeah. Please do that. <laughs> Serial? Not, not to get too serious, but for the love of God, please vote. <laughs> I will uh, double Kyle's uh, <laughs> endorsement. There we go. Well, hey, thanks to everybody on Patreon that supports us. Thanks to the following Patreon supporters for their generous support of MinMax at the $50 tier. You can add your name to the list if you want to jump up to that tier just for one month. We have the Bam Box, Rob Hudak, I Am 8-Bit, Juar Hello, Mirko Rico Torreno, Tyler Thorny, Zachary Pliggy, Rebecca Lang, Beaten Down Brian, Brian with a Y, Inti Clark, Mark Seliga, Captain Stubbs 1, Ludwig Roque, Andrew Valla, Chris, Jesse Vitelli, Thomas Hoster, Snake24, Yaro, William Garcia, Spiral in Your Eyes, Spiral in Your Eyes, I should say, Richard Smuts, JT Fells, Spider Dan, Steve Bamdad, Alex Payne. Thank you so much, everybody. Be good, have fun, let's go! Let's go!